0: Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by David Alexander, the 10-year NFL veteran, former member of the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Football Jets and also a part of the University of Tulsa Football Hall of Fame and former head football coach at Broken Arrow in Oklahoma and and a uh, great coach at that will uh, join us. We're going to talk with him about the evolution of the game of football. Where we're at right now when it comes to X's and O's and where the game's headed, we'll break down the RPO system we're going to talk high school recruiting, how do players get recruited, what's it like to build a program, what do guys need to do to get their name out there. If you're a football nerd, you're going to really enjoy this conversation with David Alexander when he joins us coming up later on in today's show. Thomas Pritchett is here with me as well. TB, how are we doing? Oh, you know, just surviving. Doing better now that you
1: know Tulsa got hit with all that snow, and I say not as much snow as we they expected, but snow and ice nonetheless. Uh, you know, got my car broken into last week. Um, you know, now it's been a nice, I think Jones yesterday, that being Tuesday, was a nice 72 degrees, and I was just out and about. I literally went to work early knowing it was going to be nice so i could get off early and literally cruised all over tulsa just with the windows down um i even monday jones was national margarita day and so i hit the liquor store and got some tequila and some frozen strawberries and i went to when you lived in tulsa did you ever go to morelos i did not oh you missed out they got they got pre-seasoned meat that you just throw it on, and it's like it's like you're making street tacos. I mean, they're just as good as a Mexican restaurant, and you know you don't even have to mess with it. Made some tacos and drank some margaritas, and it's been a lot better week than the last week was. I can tell you that. Or I'm trying to finish strong this week.
0: Good, that's good to hear. I'm glad that you're doing better and uh, that you're all right. Have that stuff figured out. That's uh, that's great to hear. And I did not end up having a margarita, on national margarita day. I felt like that's a crime of some sorts. Uh, my bad. I love a good margarita as much as anybody. I mean, you know, you're going to have to double up on Cinco de Mayo. You know, I, I got a funny story about that. Two things. First off, uh, you mentioned Tulsa and margaritas. I got to say, you and I were at the River Spirit. This was, what, back in October? And that yeah. place – in Tulsa, there is known as a Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. And I said to myself, well, I'm in Margaritaville. I got to have a Marg. And I was very disappointed. I said to myself, I could make a better margarita than what Jimmy Buffett offered. And it was like seven bucks. It wasn't cheap either. So yeah, that was a, that was a bummer. I would not spend the money on another Marg from, uh, from Jimmy Buffett. Sorry, Jim, Uh, you're a, you're a con artist of some sorts. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, the other end of the, uh, the spectrum on uh, the, uh, the margaritas um, is, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I love a good margarita. You know, a frozen marg, you put the uh, it is my way to go. And, you know, I like it with the sugar on it and not, not salt. No, not salt. No. Well, so the other night, this was Saturday, I go looking for a margarita. Uh, that's what I had on my mind pre National Margarita Day, Tom. And I did some research and I found this one place that was supposed to be the margarita spot, right? Well, right. I get there and they were out of frozen margaritas. They only had it available on the rocks. So I was very bummed. So I've been very much missing on the, uh, the margarita front as of late Tom. Do you have a blender? I do not.
1: That, that's, that's what you need. That's all you gotta do. You get a lot of people put ice in There's the way to go though, the way to go. And I was even making pineapple margaritas the other night. Um, you get just some your favorite frozen fruit. I'm kind of sus on the frozen mango. I love mango. Okay. But I was just like, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about frozen mango. I was like, I don't know. And I don't think it's going to be sweet enough, but you know, I, so I got the, the, the strawberry and the, and the frozen pineapple. And what you do, you don't even use any ice. You just, you just throw your strawberries in the deal. You throw your, uh, I use lime concentrate, you know, like the frozen lime juice, that you make like a limeade with it comes in the freezer section yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah you, know, you do that and i i put my strawberries in the blender put a spoonful of that limeade concentrate in there throw a little triple sec in there and then obviously the tequila and then you just blend that all up boom frozen marg no ice to water it down Ooh it's the perfect thing. I'm telling you this, when you, when you do the show report on the first, we always have a funny intro or you always, you always put a funny intro on the first 15 minutes of the show. You got to put how to make
0: a margarita, how to make a margarita. There we go. That that's, that's the Tom special. That might be my next purchase. You know, I'm a new member of Sam's club now and you could get a really good blender. I bet so for a pretty good price. I think I'm buying a blender. That's what I'm doing. My next visit to the Sam's Club is getting a very good blender, and
1: I get a 15 pound bag of strawberries.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that's going to survive me to the apocalypse, apocalypse of strawberries, and we're going to have some damn good margaritas. You know, it's it's going to be Jones style, and once you go Jones, you can't go back. Um, so that's what we'll do.
1: Invite all all of great TV and show them how.
0: Tulsa, Oklahoma gets down. Um, one of my favorite margarita memories. You mentioned Cinco de Mayo, Tom. Um, I had this tradition, and you know, I, I have changed jobs since, and I don't cover this team anymore. So I'm okay with admitting this. And if you've listened this far into the show, you're uh, you're somebody that uh, appreciates what we do around here. You're you're a you're a fan if you're here. You're not a hater if you're listening seven minutes in. Um One of the things I do, Tom, <laughs> I covered uh, Sporting Kansas City. Cinco de Mayo, a run of like two or three straight years, Sporting KC played on Cinco de Mayo. And I, I had some connections, and I had three margaritas uh, pregame before I would go cover uh, Sporting Kansas City. And that was like my favorite day of the year of covering Sporting KC was getting to cover the game – Getting to eat some fresh Mexican food and drinking some margaritas. It was the life. And watching American soccer, uh, dreams do come true. Yeah, for especially, the, you know, I,
1: I make a good margarita, but it costs me money, but I'll never turn down, I will
0: never turn down a free margarita. Right. Isn't that the life, though? Isn't that all what we ask for? It's just to, you know, have a free margarita, enjoy a, a nice live American sporting event.
1: That's the dream, especially when it's nice outside. And I know you're oh. frozen cold like the frozen margarita you so wish for in Omaha right now. I know it's right. not warm there.
0: The single de Mayo, uh, you know, is right at the, the right time of year where it's not too hot, not too cold. And you just enjoy that nice, you know, tequila and that margarita. Oh, man, I, I can almost taste it just talking about it. Uh, with that being said, we will uh, we'll move on and uh, get rolling with today's show. I want to talk about Tiger Woods off the top. And I got to say, first and foremost, Tom, um, you know, I, I was covering this story all day Tuesday and then Wednesday as well. And the very first thing that we got to say with Tiger is we're glad he's OK. Um, Tiger Woods is lucky to be alive right now. Um, You know, he is very fortunate that he is alive and we are all very fortunate that he is alive and that he is okay, Uh, because we very well could have easily lost Tiger Woods on Tuesday. And, you know, there's a couple things that come to mind with this Tiger Woods thing. Uh, You know, first off of just the the flashbacks of sorts, you know, with Tiger alone, you know, he had his DUI arrest. Uh, you know, two or three years ago, he had that car crash back in 2009 that uh, obviously was what, you know, started the divorce with his wife and that whole situation with, when, you know, with Elan. And so those things came to mind right away. But then not, you know, what, what are we, a year removed, same city when Kobe Bryant had a helicopter crash and died. And so... All these things immediately when we're, you know, hearing this about Tiger Woods, that stuff comes to mind and, and just you just scares you a little bit. And I gotta say, not only am I glad Tiger is alive and okay, as we all should be, but the fact that this wasn't substance abuse related, you know, that it didn't have anything to do with alcohol, didn't have anything to do with substance abuse or anything like that. Um, that this was just an accident of some sorts. And I applaud the police and first responders uh, for how they handled this situation, not only getting Tiger out and recovered within four minutes of this accident occurring, but the fact that they were quick to point out that, Hey, we don't see anything unethical here from Tiger's part that he didn't, it wasn't drinking or it wasn't on drugs of some sorts. You know, uh, there, there was some, People in in the media, and you know, I, I am a part of the media, but I was not guilty of this. There were some out there that were trying to speculate that this had to do with some painkillers that Tiger was on because of the back surgery he had in December, or that because of what had happened in the past, that maybe this was another accident of some sorts that related to uh, some, you know, substance or alcohol abuse, or whatever. I, I, I didn't speculate like that. That's not something I went about. And I was glad that not only did the, uh, LA first responders, you know, take care of this situation as quickly as they did, but they shot down those comments, those thoughts, um, you know, that they, they made that very clear. They made it pretty clear, very fast. The tiger wasn't going to be charged with anything. Um, you know, the injuries suck. It's going to take a while for him to recover. But realistically, I think that we take away from all this, Tom, that that this could have been a lot worse, that, you know, Tiger, for one, could be dead. Uh, his injuries, you know, could have been life-threatening. Um, you know, obviously the speculation about, you know, if, if it was substance or alcohol abuse that, you know, people try to throw out there, that wasn't the case. Um, the accident that he didn't hit anybody else, that no one else was in the car, you know, those all type of things, it it makes you pause and and sit back a bit. And if somebody that was in an accident, you know, what, a month ago, you know, I I can relate in that sense. You know, I know what what we're talking about. You know, I I had some things that I went through and and that we've disclosed on this show. So uh, it it even makes me more appreciative uh, for – how this was this was handled, and that Tiger Woods is ultimately okay. Yeah, and I'm
1: glad that they came out and you know cleared that up real quick. That no, he wasn't intoxicated. No, he wasn't. You know, he's he's not on drugs or whatever. You know, he's, this is just an accident. You know, these things do kind of happen, and you know they happen to you. Know, like we t- Jones, listen, what did we talk about literally a month ago when this happened to you? We literally said on the show, this can happen to anyone at any time for any reason, your fault, the other person's fault, it doesn't matter. This this happens all the time. Literally, one of the most dangerous things you can do every single day is get behind the wheel of a car. Um, You're driving a and, weapon. I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, if you purposely hit someone, it's you know, you get charged with uh, manslaughter, intent to kill with a dangerous weapon. You know, uh, you know, yeah, like. So it does happen, and I'm just I'm just happy. Like, like, okay, you mentioned Kobe. It's literally barely been over a year, and if this is to happen to literally the Kobe of the, the golf world, arguably arguably the Michael Jordan, really. I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't I don't want to compare, but I'm gonna compare because I'm already halfway deep into it. Tiger Woods to golf is bigger than Kobe was to basketball.
0: No question. Michael's the closer comparison. Um, right. Tiger, Tiger is
1: golf. Tiger at golf, one point. golf owes Tiger Woods so much more money than he's ever made.
0: Um, the transition of stardom uh, of the sports world went from MJ to Tiger. Uh, right. It didn't go to, to Jacoby. It didn't go to Barry Bonds. It didn't go to even Tom Brady. It went to Tiger. Um, you know, Right. And I
1: mean, if five, that loss we, would have been – it would have been in, in insane. I mean right. we, we so all I'm just that. thankful. I'm just Remember. thankful he didn't die. Well, I mean, he's got a compound fracture. If you break your leg, you get a compound fracture. I mean, for those of you who don't know what a compound fracture is, I mean, that's when the bone is sticking now. I mean, yeah. Like that is insane. Uh also Jones, what I thought was crazy, it might have been shock or whatever, but he's they said he was conscious through the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know if I would want to be conscious if my uh, bone from my leg was sticking out and you know, you're, they did, you know, at first report the jaws of life. And then when they said that, I was like, don't, don't do this. I was like, come on now. I was like, don't let this happen. And then they said, no, they just, they didn't have to use the jaws of life, but they used something else. But regardless, I'm like, Oh, I, I think everyone, you know, it sucks for tiger. It does. I mean, that sucks for anybody, but, I think the whole whole world, the whole sports world just breathed a sigh of relief. Yeah, we're still, you know, hurting for Tiger like damn, that sucks. Like the Masters are coming up, you know, and right. hell he was playing in his own tournament just hung well, out way
0: Play, he uh because of back surgery, he was hosting the event. He was Right, right. host uh duties since Genesis, his uh, one of his big sponsors was sponsoring that invite there in Los Angeles and he was there. Uh, He stayed a couple of extra days in L.A. after that golf tournament to do promotions for Genesis. He was driving a a Genesis vehicle when this uh, accident occurred. So it wasn't the publicity that Genesis wanted, uh, certainly. But, you know, I say this, uh, Tom, that um, don't take this the wrong way, folks, but I don't care if Tiger Woods – plays another round of professional golf again. The main thing is that he's okay, right? Um, right. You know, the, the path forward, though, for Tiger, I know that these are, are terrible things that have happened to him, and it's going to be a long road to recovery, especially since he's already recovering from back surgery, as is. Um, but I'm not doubting Tiger Woods one bit that he's going to make a comeback of some sort. This guy's already had five back surgeries. He won a major championship on a broken leg previously. Um, you know, he came back from all that he'd went through to win the Masters back in 2019. Um, I'm not writing off Tiger Woods. We've, we've seen people make that mistake before. The things that Tiger was called a former golfer. That he should retire, all these different things said about Tiger Woods. Look, I'm not putting it past him that he's gonna get back out there and that he could compete again. I know that he's still got some big goals. He's he wants to pass Jack Nicholas for that major championship record. He wants to, you know, be the sole owner of the you know professional wins record in the PGA tour. He's tied atop that list right now. Um, you know, Tigers still got goals in mind. I'm not rolling out that tiger can uh can get past this. most people we would say, yeah, they're done, but tiger I- I'm not putting any doubts on there. I-, I hope to see him back there once again, but if we don't, we don't. The main thing is he's alive, but i'm not I'm not counting him out.
1: No, he's the type of guy that's gonna you know I really hope happens okay, so he was off forever came back you know, and won the masters uh you know novel in 2019. And we thought that was awesome. Well, we talked about that forever. If he comes back from this and wins the Masters, it, it, it and I'm not ruling it out. Um, the only thing that I'm like, oh man, I hope he's back selfishly. It's uh, terrible. Selfishly. I'm trying to think. So the Tulsa PGA Championship is that this? That's next summer, right? That's next summer. Next May. Yeah, 2022. I mean, that's
0: going to be tough. That'll be tough. Here's the thing, Tom, when I think about Tiger here and, you know, going forward after all this. The last image that we have of Tiger right now on a golf course is with his son, Charlie, and, his you know, his 11-year-old son, Charlie, and them playing in that father-son tournament back in December before Tiger had back surgery and seeing his son just crush the ball – And, you know, doing better than some of these professionals and just having this amazing father-son moment. And I think the future for Tiger, not only is getting back going to be important for him, but even more so, what's more valuable and more important is his son's future and him being there for his son and, you know, coaching him up and following him a among the ra- among the ranks. Um, it'll be in no time before we're talking about when when Charlie Woods is going to be, you know, eligible for the PGA Tour and, you know, contending, you know, it, it may be, you know, nine, 10 years, but it will fly by, um, you know, however long that may be. So I think for Tiger Woods, if if this is the beginning of the next chapter, I'm perfectly fine with that. And you know what? I'm, I'm fascinated to see just what it's going to be like, you know, what Charlie's career is going to be. And I know it sounds weird talking about an 11 year old that way, but not, not everyone's Tiger Woods's kid. And, you know, Tiger Woods, of course, his dad put him on a national stage when he was very young himself. So this is a very unique circumstance. Um, But, you know, if this is the beginning of that next chapter of, of him being there for Charlie and seeing what Charlie's career holds up and, you know, Tiger in coach mode of some sorts, I'm fascinated to see it. And uh, I, I'd be excited for him. And I think that that would be uh, – it, it's going to be fun to follow that journey, of that father-son duo of where they go from here down the road. If this, you know, is, is what's next, then so be it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very true. I mean, at this point, it's just kind of like, Hey, if we can, you know, have tiger still out on the course, even if he's not playing, but with his son, uh, I I think that's an honorable transition. I still think Tiger's going to get out there and, you know, come back and play at least one. He's, he's going to get, if, if this is farewell for tiger from, from the golf courses in terms of actually competing, uh, so be it, but I, I'd be Tiger's one of those athletes you'd be hard pressed to keep them off the course,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely. And so we wish nothing but the best for Tiger Woods and want to see him go out there, you know, uh, contending for majors and you know, getting that tour record. I've always been a Tiger fan, you know. Um, but if this, you know, jump starts that next chapter, then you know, then it is what it is. Um, with Tiger, it's always been different, too, in the sense that he's trained as an athlete, that all the other golfers around him have you know, taken golf casually. You know, guys like John Daly going out there and smoking cigarettes and eating McDonald's while they're playing golf. And John Daly says that he plays golf better drunk than he does sober. I, I, That's me. I believe that. Um, you know, we
1: found, we found that out. Uh, we found that out when we played in the golf tournament last time.
0: Some people are just wired differently. You know, that's the nature of the beast. And in Tiger's case, he trained like an athlete so much that it broke down his body doing the Navy SEAL stuff and all that, like an athlete, his body fell apart and, you know, he had to change his game up and how he trained and such to get back on top. And now this presents a unique challenge of, you know, okay, he he's broke his leg before and recovered from that. Um, You know, he's broke, you know, had back injuries, but now a car wreck on top of having a back injury, this is going to be a new challenge and at an older age, but I'm not putting it past Tiger of what he can do to get back on top and recover from this. And we're certainly thinking of him and certainly thinking of his family as, uh, as they go through this time uh, going forward. So uh, with that, we will uh, move on. Uh, I wanted to split up this first part of the show in uh, the two different pieces, the other piece of that being Big 12 basketball. And uh, Baylor finally showed up after 20-plus days of since their last game due to a COVID, the COVID shutdown involving the Baylor Bears. We see Baylor return to the court, barely get by Iowa State, And then you had old people coming out of the woodwork, Tom, going after Baylor and saying, oh, they're frauds. They can barely beat a two-win Iowa State team that hasn't won a conference game and all this. And I'm sitting back and saying, hold the phone for a second, folks. Baylor, you know, they were going to look rusty no matter who they played. If they played Mother Teresa and her sisters, they were going to look rusty. Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, that's just how it was. And Iowa State's better than their record. Steve Prom." has had success. Say what you want about what he's done with that program. But, you know, he's, he's had his moments of showing that he can be a decent coach. So, um, I don't hold it against Baylor at all that they had a competitive game against Iowa state. Um, You know, they were down 17 points at one point, but they came back to win that game. You know, I think actually, I would say Tom in Baylor's situation, I would give them credit in this sense that great teams find ways to win on their off nights. And that's what Baylor did. It was clearly an off night for them on Tuesday. And yet they still rallied came back from that big deficit They didn't use COVID as an excuse or anything like that. They still found a way to win when clearly things weren't going right to me. That's a sign of a great team. I don't read too much in it at all. Of Baylor having an out of character game—that's all that was,
1: right? And you know, I'm not—you know—when you're that good, everyone's. You got the target on your back. Uh, when you're that good, I'm not sure there's anything. You know, you can call it a bad loss, but a bad or a bad win, but a bad win still a win. Still, it doesn't doesn't show up as BW in the in the chart. Shows up as W. <laughs> Um, and so in that case, I mean, I'm you know, as long as you get the job done, it still shows up as a W in the wind column.
0: One of my favorite Bill Belichick quotes uh, stats are for losers, scoreboards for winners. And there you go, you may have hated the way Baylor played against a bad Iowa state team, but you know what? They won. Look at Oklahoma on the same exact night, okay. This Oklahoma team, ranked seventh in the country, highest they've ever been ranked since Trey Young was there. And they lose on the road to K-State. And that's the difference between Baylor and Oklahoma, is that Oklahoma, on their off night, they were off. Couldn't figure it out. Lose to a bad K-State team that um, I I was always going to be interested to see what Fort Hayes did this year after beating K-State. You want to know what Fort Hayes is at right now? They're sixth in the MIAA in Division II. K-State lost to a bad D2 school. Um, And, and of course, Fort Hayes was without their head coach and their top assistant and all that. You guys know that story there. But in OU's case, you know, they they lose to this bad K-State team. They didn't find a way to get it out of their funk. Now, granted, Oklahoma's had a good year. And the best year they've had is quite some time. They could still make a tournament run. Tom said a couple of weeks ago he thinks they have the best chance of anybody not named Baylor in the Big 12 to go deep in the tournament. A lot of people like what this Oklahoma team's done and certainly been an improvement. Lon Kruger's done a good job, all of that. But with that being said, they're not Baylor. Baylor found a way to win on their off night. Oklahoma, not so much. Right. I mean, it, I mean, it happens.
1: It does. And, you know, for that stretch that OU was on, it's kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to sound too apologetic for what I said, because I still think they can make a run. Um, but, you know, it's hard to maintain, especially when all the pressure's on. No one saw this coming from this OU team. And so for them to, you know, lose one, I feel like it's, it's almost a, it's one of those ones you, you you learn from and really all the losses or sorry, yeah, all the loss that you learn from and really in, in college basketball, when you're not a, a Duke or a Kansas or, a, you know, a historic blue blood, you want to take those losses. If you're good that year, something you, you want to earn, if you didn't earn the W you want to earn something else from those losses. And so I think this, I think this OU team, you know, as long as they don't crumble and fall apart, I, I think they can take something from that loss and 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 figure it out. And, you know, rather lose now than in March.
0: Yeah, maybe so. And, and Baylor, um, you know, we, it's always been joked about, Tom, in the Big 12 in this league that, that you and I have been fans of and covered for a long time and such that um, the Big 12 – Helps out their their big boys. You know, Kansas has gotten a lot of help over the years in basketball. That's no secret. They get better calls at home. You know, if you don't like that, you know, tough. Uh, that's, that's the truth. You know, they, they do get some more help at home than others do. Um, you know, football-wise, Oklahoma and Texas uh, are treated like royalty and everybody else in the league gets treated like redheaded stepchilds. Um, that's the truth. It happens. It's the nature of the beast in this league. Some people like to deny it and and pretend that doesn't exist, but that's just the truth, right? Well, Baylor, um, you know, this team's, what, two and a half, three games up on the rest of the league. They've had their COVID pauses and all that. And what do you know, the Baylor Bears – in trying to have these makeup games scheduled, the Big 12 intentionally puts this 10 game gap, 10 day gap between when the regular season ends and when the Big 12 tournament starts. And they're reworking the schedule. They tell Baylor, okay, yeah, we get it. You can't get all your games in. That's not possible. But it just so happened to be, just co- coincidentally, Tom. The, the game that Baylor had canceled, that they uh, were scheduled to play but now won't play, and the others that they're going to make up and such, just happens to be the team that's currently ranked second in the Big 12 Conference, West Virginia. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't find that a coincidence that, that, uh, that Baylor, uh, the, the help they got from the Big 12, just happened to be not having to play West Virginia. Isn't that just uh, – what a coincidence, right? Hmm yeah. Right. It's
1: maybe, you know, helping them helping out the, the big tolls best chance to get to the final four. I, I mean that somewhere down the line, I mean, we'll never know, but that happens. I know it does.
0: I want to be in, We're the, not I want to be in those big 12 meetings. we are like, all right, so here's Baylor's schedule. They got seven games. They still have to figure out. We got to cancel one. Hmm. Who should we go with? How about West Virginia? And, and not only is it clear the Big 12 is helping out Baylor all they can, that Baylor's their new favorite child for the, for the time being anyway. Um, not only is that clear, but also just as fans, I feel like we've been robbed. I would love to see Baylor play West Virginia. Now, you know, Baylor's going to get Kansas on Saturday, and I'm very excited about that game. Don't get me wrong. But the rest of their slate, you know, Texas, Oklahoma again. Um, if Baylor plays to what they're capable of, not like they did against Iowa State, now there's, there's really um, no reason to think they won't just win out and go undefeated in the Big 12 at this point. Their biggest challenger, the team that I think had the best shot at beating them, we as fans get robbed and don't get to see it. Thanks, Big 12. Now I know you're trying to help out Baylor, but really, you robbed the fans is what you did. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, do they
1: – they know that. I mean, they're not – they're <laughs> just – they're just vibing. I get it. They want to, you know, make it a, hey, we'll – you know, we'll we'll make it up to your – you know, you'll thank us when Baylor, you know, is – plays gazaga like we know they're going to. Right.
0: Well, and, and seed-wise now, the way things are working out, you know, you, you get uh, Alabama losing the other night. We mentioned Oklahoma losing to K-State. Um, Illinois laid an egg against Michigan State. All these potential teams that were talked about of jumping to the one line, you know, those twos, are losing games they weren't supposed to. Baylor is, is set. I mean, they are a one seed. It's just a matter of do they move up to one overall or do they drop to one of the lower ones at this point? I mean, everything has been the, the yellow brick brick road has been laid for Baylor at this point. The big 12 has only helped make the road even easier for this team right now. So um, in, uh, in elsewhere among these other teams in the big 12, Kansas might end up you, – you, here's an interesting scenario, Tom. So, Kansas, after all they've went through this year, they're going to get all their games in, knock on wood, with uh, this last game being against Baylor this week, and they would have played all 18 games. Um, you know, Baylor is clearly the best team. No one's denying that. But Kansas, just because of how this works out of Baylor trying to make up games – might actually end up with more wins than Baylor, but Baylor is going to be the Big 12 champion more than likely. Isn't that crazy just how with COVID times, and I know everything's different with COVID, um, Baylor might be a a 12-win Big 12 team and still uh, be Big 12 champs, and and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, they would give it to Baylor. I mean,
1: that's so Baylor making up all these games. They did that in football, too. They were the only one. The only team that couldn't get their shit together, um, and you know now this, I'm like, you know what? I don't hate Baylor and basketball as much as I do, you know, like in football. Yeah, uh, and I just I can't I can't do it. But you know, I mean, more power to him. I know that Baylor's Big 12's best shot, right? At doing it. and and you know the coaching job done there. I mean, you can't – it's hard to hate.
0: Right. Scott Drew has done an an incredible job. Um, And people forget that he was the coach that did replace Dave Bliss that dealt with a killing among their own team um, in all that business. And he's still there. And they're having a historic year, best start in school history and everything, credit where credit's due. That Baylor team uh, has the makings of a national championship caliber team. Um, But – we, we would be remiss if we weren't mentioning the help they were getting from the conference. Don't be naive. It's happening folks. Um, in, uh, in Kansas's case, you get Baylor this week, you get those games in. And now I, I feel like, you know, I'm in an identity crisis of sorts when it comes to this Kansas team, Tom, because, um, you know, they, they went through that rough stretch last month and now they went on a five game winning streak had some quality wins, beating Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Two of those wins, granted, were Iowa State and one of them was K-State. But then you blow a 17-point lead to Texas and lose to overtime. And you're probably going to lose Saturday at home to to Texas. I really don't know about this team. Um, At this point, I could see them getting to the second weekend. I could see them getting eliminated even in the first round. This is... The most dumbfounded I've felt about Kansas as we get ready for March. I just have no idea what to expect. Yeah, I
1: mean that's kind of been that way all season,
0: hasn't it? It's well. Uh, at one point, I thought was, crisis. At one point, I thought Kansas was really bad. I thought like, okay, this is not a second weekend team whatsoever. And then they get on that five game streak, and I'm like, okay, you're starting to get me in again. Now I see them blow that lead against Texas, and I'm like, all right, nah, I'm not so sure. That's where I'm at. Like, I really just don't know what team is going to show up in March. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: you know, a Bill Self coach team, I think I'll, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I think that's kind of do. I think they've earned it. I think Bill Self has earned that. Maybe Um, not to say, not to say they just get pieced out real early, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt.
0: Um, It all comes down to David McCormick is what it does. If McCormick plays well, Kansas wins. If he struggles, they lose. I mean, that's been the recipe all season. And um, you know, if they can find somebody that can defend McCormick down low, then that's a problem. If they face a team, like Oklahoma state who doesn't have any bigs, then they can, you know, have their way. So, uh, we'll see. But some of these other teams we already talked about Oklahoma talked about Kansas talked about Baylor, um, Texas, uh, by the way, shock is smart with hair still just throws me off. Um, I can't get over that. Um, and his hair doesn't look good either. Um, you know, I'm glad the man found some – I'm glad he found some hair plugs of some sorts, you know, to help him out. He got on that that Bill Self uh, toupee program of some sorts. Um, but, you know, it doesn't look good. So try to work on that, Shaka, um, if you're going to have hair. Otherwise, go back to being bald. But nonetheless, Texas had a COVID pause, and they've gone up and down. They get this win over Kansas. But, you know, Shaka, he, he has had his moments – but that roster it's got nba talent it's got some good veterans that's a top 5 roster and there's you know they they should have lost ku they had that rough stretch you know if you switch the coaches if bill self was in lawrence right now texas would be a top 5 team um, they might even win the big 12 if bill self was in lawrence it was in austin right now um, Texas, texas one point was the second best team in the league I'm selling everything on Texas. I know they got by KU the other night, but um, I think the the ghost of Rick Barnes is still going to haunt this Texas team come next month. Yeah, I could see that too. Uh,
1: It's kind of like, I mean, the past coaches for Texas always haunt them. It's like the ghost of Mac Brown on (laughs) Texas. I could see the ghost of Rick Barnes coming back and haunting them. <laughs> yeah. And then
0: uh, I mean, it's almost fake. Right. And then Texas Tech, this team has hit a wall of sorts. They've gone through this like KU type stretch where they've lost several games in a row. And now we're seeing this Texas Tech team doesn't have offense to if. You know, if they fall behind, then they're in trouble of some sorts. Texas Tech's got some issues. I'm selling Texas Tech now. And I love Chris Beard. I think Chris Beard is probably a top five, at least top ten coach in college basketball. But as this season's gone along, as we've learned more about Tech, the offense uh, has kind of disappeared. Maybe it wasn't really there, but, I mean, you know what? You know how you win in March – Tom, you got to have guards. Guards win in March, scoring points. And Texas Tech doesn't have the offense, I think, to to do something in March right now. I mean, yes, Chris Beard's identity has always been defense first. But, you know, Jared Culver, last time I checked, was still a a hell of a scorer, an offensive player. You know, they they don't have that offensive options. They don't have the the guards that you need in March to, to go deep, I don't think, with Texas Tech.
1: No, I don't think they do either. And, and, you know, after, you know, like you said, Beard's a great coach, but okay. You have Jared Culver and you have a year that it's almost like your breakout year. Um, And then obviously he leaves for the NBA and now you're, you know, now that's, that's where you, okay. So Culver brought you into this world. Don't let his absence take you out. You got to make your, this, these are your paper chasing years for tech Uh, you know, you've, built somewhat of a brand now um i mean they're gonna have to get some guards in there they're gonna have to score some points i mean oh sure you know in the nba for the most part if you have a solid defense maybe back in the early 2000s that's gonna win you some games but basketball has changed now where it's like hey if your team can shoot threes you're in the game no matter what um mm-hmm. uh, thanks steph Curry. uh but pretty much the game has changed around from inside to perimeter game. And if, you know, sure you can have a strong inside defense, but if your perimeter is, is not so hot and you don't have the guards to keep up to be, you know, to have a shootout, which we've come to know from just big 12 might as well be a synonym for shootout. um, Then it's not going to end well for you. I mean, sure. You can, you know, At one point in time, Jones, coaching can only take you so far. Right. Uh, With with the talent that you're facing in the Big 12, like you you have to – you don't have a choice but to
0: score. Right. And uh, with Oklahoma State, the last Big 12 team that will make the tournament, um, Oklahoma State, I think they're going to be, you know, somewhere in that five to seven range when it comes seed line. Um, It would certainly help them – a lot if they can pull off some big time wins here in these next week or two, if they could beat Oklahoma, if they could beat, you know, some of these other teams, you know, and, and the, the tech win a week or two ago was big. Um, you know, just some of these other things, if they can squeak by a couple games they're not supposed to win, that would do them big. But the thing for Oklahoma State is just matchup wise. I was looking at like, you know, the let's say they end up in a 7-10 game. You play a ten seed like Drake. Drake's having a historic year, one of the best years in school history. Um, I hate to say it, Drake's a team that can beat Oklahoma State. That that would not be a good matchup for Oklahoma State. Uh, OSU needs to play a small team, not a big team. They need to play. They need to go toe to toe with teams that are guard heavy. You know that aren't uh, that that can't beat them down low. If Oklahoma State get stuck with playing, uh, you know, a, a team that's big, there's going to be problems. Um, that's all this comes down to for Oklahoma State is is, uh, is just the matchup. It's almost as if the scene line doesn't even matter in a sense if they're a five, six, or seven. It's just who is going to be the matchup they face that day, that opening round for the tournament or the second round or whatever it may be, if they're going to play play a big team. If they play a big team, they're in trouble. They play a team that is just guard-driven. I'm putting Cade Cunningham up against anybody. So that's what it comes down to me for Oklahoma State. They they play a small team. I'll take my chances with Cade Cunningham. I'd feel actually pretty good. Yeah, no, I
1: I feel you there. And Yeah, sure. This this Oklahoma State team has already, you know, beaten KU this season and obviously had lost to them. But, you know, it's pretty evident what their weakness is. Can you imagine what this KU team would do to this Oklahoma State team if they had Azubuki? It would be a massacre. Azubuki would have 50 points because <laughs> um, they would just play through him. So if they can get a team that is like you said, guard heavy, if 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 OSU runs into a team that their best player is a power forward or a center, it's not going to be good. Right. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I think they can. I think they can beat a top team that's that's guard heavy. I really think they can. But if they come into an average team that's forward heavy and, and plays in a good inside game, I mean, I mean Mike Boyton has done a great job, and I'm a fan. I am a huge fan. Me too. Oh, he's been on this show. He's been a great person. He knows his, his work is cut out for him, um, which is which I guess is nice. I mean, it's better than kind of wondering where you went wrong because uh, the work's cut out as far as, hey, we – I mean, I say we, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's – kind of my mo here but uh yeah we osu needs a, a solid big man uh, right. i mean i wish i could go hand pick my solid big man from years past in the travis ford days like michael cobbins or uh your years or not yours it's jerkage uh yeah. but yeah like even I mean, mitchell
0: solomon on this team would go a long way yeah
1: yes it would uh i bet they wish they could exercise another year of eligibility and bring him out from the
0: It seemed like retirement. Mitchell, it seemed like Mitchell Solomon was there for like 100 years, too. He had like that Perry Ellis thing going on anyway. But they, they'd take him right now. Yeah, he
1: did have – yeah, that did feel like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I'd, take yeah. A, I'd take a seven-footer from the Colvin Center playing, you know, pickup basketball at this point. <laughs> right.
0: So, yeah, if it, what I would say, Tom, last thing on the Big 12 in Oklahoma State is, Um, To kind of just wrap this all up, uh, when Selection Sunday rolls around, I would almost take my hand and cover the seed line. Don't care about that. Um, I care about who that opponent is and what their size is. That's more important than if you're the five or you're the seven, you're the six, whatever it may be. That doesn't matter if you're Oklahoma State. All that matters is who that opponent is and – sometimes you're lucky and like okay you can work with that sweet 16 that's doable or you might be looking at that and seeing who the opponent is and see your season end before it even starts in the NCAA tournament based on if uh, if it's a big team really you can it's it, it's that predictable i think for Oklahoma state
1: yeah it is i mean they they know what they're up against they know that if they run into a team that's you know just a bigger team that they're going to, I mean, that's the work cut out. I mean, they'll have to, you know, when it gets to March, it's either do or die. And we obviously know that Cade Cunningham will be leaving here really quick. So uh, you got to make the most of it. Hopefully maybe they'll get, maybe they'll get lucky and and draw a bunch of guard heavy teams. And I I see, I see the limit really is sweet 16. If, if this OSU team can make the sweet 16, this year will be, this year will have been a success.
0: Yeah, that'd be that'd be great if that's the case. Um, we're we're going to talk with David Alexander coming up in just a bit. Also, later on, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix, plus our Tom Fulry story of the week as well. Stay with us as we're all along here on the Jones Report. Joining us now the Jones Report this week, it is NFL vet, Tulsa Football Hall of Famer, four-time Oklahoma State champion, uh, football coach, David Alexander stops by to hang out with us this week. Coach, appreciate
2: the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Of course, Tyler, man. Um, I am I'm, I'm happy to do it. Man, good to see you again. I uh, know it's, it's been a minute, uh, coach, uh, tell us
0: what you've been up to, uh, as of late, uh, the, uh, the last several months, man.
2: Well, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm out on the job front, right. Looking for my next, uh, my next adventure, um, I've been substitute teaching at uh, at Bixby and a little bit at Jinx, and uh, I've done a bunch of job interviews for head coaching jobs everywhere, and uh, we'll just see. We'll just see where where the uh, our ships land.
0: That's great, and uh, you know, I, I know that you know things didn't end right at Broken Arrow and such. I don't want to dive into that whole sure. situation, but I, I just got to say, Coach John. Uh, you know, no, no matter what happened in that, in how it ended. As somebody that went to Broken Arrow, I always am going to be thankful for you for what you did of, of finally bringing home that state title, man. Uh, that 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 to me just remembering the good times. Uh, I mean, of of what that's that right. school would went through all those years to, to finally get that done uh, was just
2: right. tremendous. Well, that's 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 right, Tyler. That's exactly the way we should all look at it. You know, um, you know I'm a BA grad. I grew up there. You know, came back um, the day I got hired, right? All I said was um, I wanted to make, you know, the town proud. I wanted to make, you know, my friends proud, my family proud growing up there. And I think we did that. Um, you know, we had a lot of success. We had a lot of a lot of great kids, a lot of great memories. And so, yeah, that, that's that's where it's all going to look back on, you know, that giant trophy from 2018.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, coach, uh, I, I want to go back in time a little bit before we, uh, talk too much, but, uh, a- as you reflect now, this, uh, the-, the, uh, the journey that you, you were on so many times on this show, we love to talk about folks journeys where they came from. Where, where would you say it all, it all started for you, this, this love of football and where, where, where things went
2: from there. Man, Tyler, that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, I, I, when I was growing up in BA, I was you know, a little awkward uh, at, at a young age. I wasn't a very good football player. Um, my sophomore football coach, Coach Cast, was uh, a, a great man. And he just, I, he loved football and he treated us all so good. And we all loved being around him. That's where I really like, man, this is so awesome. Uh, I, I really wanted to please Coach Cast as a sophomore football player in high school. And that's where it really grew. Now, you know, you have to be blessed with a lot of things. You know, I, I grew and I grew out of that awkward stage um, and turned into a pretty good football player. But without that love that I, I saw from coach cast, right. And his mentorship of me, you know I would not have had the career and been gotten to do the things that it, uh, I got to do for so many years. And that's really where it started me as a sophomore in high school, broken arrow.
0: And uh, of course, you went on to the University of Tulsa and had a successful time there. Uh, tell me about that era of TU football. What, what were those days like uh, oh, hey. when you were
2: there? Those were we were we were uh, those were golden years. Those were great years. You know, I was recruited by the coach. The head coach was a guy named John Cooper, right? Who went on to some great success at Arizona State and then Ohio State. Um, you know, we we beat a lot of good, really good football teams. Um, in my, my four years of playing, we beat uh, Oklahoma State twice. You know, we beat Kansas. We beat Air Force. Um, in 1985, we played uh, Brigham Young, which was the year they won the national championship. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We played the uh, University of Miami the year they won the national championship with Vinny Testaverdi and those guys. So um, a lot of fun there. I, I, have great, I really love the uh, University of Tulsa. I'm so proud to uh, be an alumnus from there. I mean, I, was, I know it's a small school, and there's very few of us, but it was really good for me.
0: And, and the University of Tulsa now, I know it's had its ups and downs, but to get to this point, being in the American Conference and and right. uh, competing on the American stage, uh, is this what you thought Tulsa was going to become? Uh, I mean, th- this football program was really down at one point, and now it yeah. seems like this is – uh, as big as they've been in, in quite some time right now.
2: It is. They've, you know, they, after I left and was gone on the East Coast for a while, you know, they really struggled. They had some tough years, some lean years, um, trying to get into a conference and not have much money. The leadership over there has done such a really good job, you know, got them in the American Conference where they can, you know, have a little bit of money to do some things for their programs and uh, up the recruiting budget. Um, you know, and Coach Montgomery has really built a nice football team. You know, they they've had some up and down years, and and the way Tulsa University is right, it's been such a small school. They are they're going to be always be a little bit of a roller coaster, right, Tyler? Um, because they the head coaches are going to be young guys coming in, you know, looking to move on, and they're you know so Tulsa's always got to have a list of four or five of the next head coaches, right? A small list um, because. You know the Coach Montgomerys of the world are going to have success and move on, uh, which is great. And as long as Tulsa University understands that, right, and plans for it, it's going to be fine. It's um, it just it's just the nature of the beast when you have an enrollment of uh, thirty five hundred like Tulsa does. Right, right. Uh, no, no, no
0: question about that. And uh, you, you went on in the NFL and had a, a very solid career, ten years there. Uh, d- describe your, your time in the National Football League in, uh, in those days, Coach.
2: Oh, my gosh, Tyler. You know, a young guy from Oklahoma uh, going to the East Coast. You know, I'd never been east of the Mississippi. I, I hadn't been east of Little Rock um, until I got drafted. So <laughs> got, got, right, got, I, was a, I was the 121st pick, the so fifth-round pick at the time from, uh, from Tulsa to the Philadelphia Eagles, 1987. Uh, Buddy Ryan was the head coach. Hey, man, I walked into an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable uh, opportunity, you know, and then just made the best of it. Uh, I made myself available. You know, I was able to play center and guard and tackle, and um, we played it. We had a lot of great football players on that team. I mean, if you look, if you look back, there's some Hall of Famers, you know, Reggie White and right, Randall Cunningham and Keith Byers was there and Keith Jackson. Eric Allen, you know, just some amazing football players. You know, Jerome Brown was in my draft class. Chris Carter came in the next year in 1988. Um, so it was, uh, it was a blast. Uh, just so, you know, uh, blessed to be a part of it. Man, you know, I, I played in the eight years that I was in Philadelphia. I played in every game, never missed a game for eight years. I started um, the last 108 of those games. Um, something I'm very proud of. But, you know, I was always there for my team. Uh, I was always, you know, no matter what, um, you, know, you were going to have to really, to get me off the field, it was going to take something major. And uh, I, I was very lucky, very fortunate not to get really hurt too much in those first eight years. Uh, and then, um, but just just great times, great memories, great friends.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, what, what do you remember about Buddy Ryan? Uh,
2: any good <laughs> Buddy Ryan stories come to mind, I'm sure? Uh, a lot of great Buddy Ryan stories. You know, he's from Oklahoma. Right. right. So he knew the town of Broken Arrow. And he, Brady Ryan had, if, if you were in good standing, right, if you were in good standing with Buddy, he had a nickname for you. Okay. If you were in the doghouse, he called you by your jersey number. Um, he never called anybody by their, their God-given name. Um, so my nickname was Broken Stick. <laughs> Broken Stick. So um, – my, my rookie training camp, right, um, and back in those days, it wasn't just Philadelphia, but all the training camps, it was almost full go live every day. I mean, it was very physical, you know, a lot of contact, full pads, and um, I don't know, we were we were in the first full week of pads, and uh, we were doing uh, live field goal and field goal block, right? So the field goal team was working against, you know, the Reggie Whites, the Clyde Simmons, the Seth Joyners. And they were trying to block kicks. And after uh, two or three kicks, Buddy Ryan turned and said, broken stick, get in there and snap. Um, I, I field goal and, and punt snapped at Tulsa. And so I field goal and short snap, um, PAT snapped in the, in the NFL for my first five years. So I went in and there's, you know, I put my hand on the football and there's Reggie White. And uh, I, I, I don't remember how many snaps it was. It was five or six, full goal live. Still, go snaps. Uh, they were all really, they were perfect. Uh, I survived getting hit in the head by Reggie White all those times, and I came out and from I earned. Um, that's where I earned Buddy's respect. And from there, you know, it was a it was a great it was a great career playing for Buddy.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, and Randall Cunningham. I don't think uh, David. I, I bet you would agree with this too. Randall doesn't get enough credit for the impact he had on the game, and the areas that lead behind, the guys that came after him. I mean, we, right. we talk about Mike Vick and what he did, you know, in the 2000s, right. but before Mike ever was around, it was Randall with with his rushing ability and still able to throw the football too. I mean, yeah. uh, he, he kind of did it first, really.
2: He really did. Um, he was, Tyler, I can't even explain how good of an athlete he was um, it was absolutely amazing to see some of the things he did you know and he played at the university he went to he, he played at unlv right and he was an all-american in college as a punter okay not a quarterback um, and so there were times during the seasons during several different seasons there when when he would punt you know a punter would pull a hamstring or you know he would shank a couple of punts and buddy would cut a guy and not sign one so buddy so there were several times that um, Randall punted. Um, at the time, at the time, Randall had the record longest punt in Philadelphia Eagles history. We were playing the Giants in the Meadowlands. And he had a 91-yard punt. Now, I don't know if that's still the record or not, but it, he had a 91-yard punt Had a tailwind. We were on about the three-yard line, and he punted over the returner's head, and it rolled out of bounds at, uh, you know, whatever whatever the math is, the, the 11. You know, twelve yard line. Um, the guy was just absolutely jaw dropping uh, when you watch him do things uh, ability wise.
0: Yeah, uh, that's it's unbelievable, and uh, you just see that's that's one of the things I want to talk to you about too. Is just how the games changed since you were involved here. I mean, Randall's weren't right. running around all over the place. Now we're looking at today. You got your Lamar Jacksons, your Kyler Murray's, right uh josh allen's of the world of sorts here i mean there, there was a point too that that it was uh not too long ago either where we were told that hey you got to have a
2: pocket quarterback to win this right game. right yeah well you know the game is um the game is evolved right it's it's all about who can score the most points right i mean you pull yeah. it down to the boil it down to the most simple things well um the mobile quarterbacks now threaten the defense in ways that they've never been threatened before. And if you have a guy that can run like uh, Lamar Jackson or Randall Cunningham or Mike Bick uh, or Josh Allen, um, Kyler Murray, uh, it just adds a new dimension. It makes the defense not be able to cheat. Right. And what I mean by cheat in the past uh, with, with pocket quarterbacks, you really only had to defend 10 players, right. Or really only, um, you know, five eligible receivers. Now you're having to defend against eleven, and count it. You know, say six guys that are going to run with the football. So um, it's just made things so much more difficult, and it's so much more fun. So much not fun. So much more exciting. Sitting in the stands, um, watching the football game when the quarterback can do some of those, some of these amazing things.
0: Oh yeah. And as someone that's uh, you know a great high school coach like yourself and an offensive mind, are are you seeing where's where the evolution of the game going from? Is it starting there in the high schools and then going up to college and pro football? Sure. Where is sure. the the meeting of the minds of new football concepts for the most part coming from? From what you've
2: seen, Well, you're, you're the, you know Tyler, you, you know you lead me in with perfect questions. You you've done your homework. Um, <laughs> yes, All right. So. Um, it doesn't work this way, but I have I have said in the past, Tyler, every new young football coach, right, should go down and be the offensive or the defensive coordinator at, in the eighth or ninth grade. Okay, so why, Coach Alexander? Why would you say that? Well, if you can go down and if you can learn how to get first downs and score points in the eighth grade, right, or the ninth grade, right, you 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 you, you're, um, you expand you're thinking, right? It's not just line up with a fullback and run straight ahead, right? Or toss the ball and try to run outside or throw it deep. You know, you're, you're being creative to come up with just a ways to get first downs and have success for junior high kids. Right. So that, that, that's moved up to the, the high school and then, right. These college coaches took it another step, right? Some of these, some of these guys in, in college really have even taken it to the next level. Now it took a while for it to trickle up to the NFL but, you know, the NFL, they saw the, court, the kind of quarterbacks they were getting from college, and they had to adjust. Um, you know, when, when you get a player like Lamar Jackson that is so dynamic and can do so many things, you know, you are, you're not doing your, your team service if you make Lamar Jackson stand in the pocket, throw it 40 times, right? You've got to utilize his skill set and I, I just think John Harbaugh, the head coach there, at the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, is is such an amazing guy. Listening to him talk is um, is great.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, no, no, no question about it. Greg, uh, you know, Greg Roman's done a terrific job as their yep. OC and such. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, no, no doubt about that. <laughs> and uh, you know, the the big thing that we've seen too as of late is the RPOs. It seems like everybody has an RPO system of place of some sorts. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, but the RPO is still a a very new and changing concept of sorts. That's really uh, had its effect on football.
2: It it is. It's uh, it's had a big effect on football and what it is, right. Tyler it's, it's option football, right. Except being horizontal, like the wishbone or the flex bone, like we think it's vertical, um, Option football, right? You're you're as a quarterback, you're reading the safety or the linebacker or whatever the RPO is. You're reading a person on the defense to make a decision, run or throw, right? Just like the you know, similar to the old horizontal with the flex bone or the veer, right? You're reading the three technique whether it's hand it fullback or you run it or you're reading the outside linebacker to for the quarterback to keep it or to pitch it. So, um, it's option football. Uh, and it it makes the defenses be um, much more patient, uh, right? Make makes them stand their ground. And so, as an offensive guy, right? You mentioned that Tyler, right? We like to say defensive guys cheat, right? So we don't want them to cheat into the run fits, all right? Or all right into the pass game,
0: right? And so on the defensive side of things, how, how do you defend uh, the RPO? What what does it – where do you even start from there with
2: knowing the offense has so many options? Yeah, well, okay, so, right, the first option that all the defenses went to was man coverage, okay? So it gives the quarterback the read to run the football, um, right? So – the defense knows then if, if the team is an RPO team, they're gonna run the football and this and that, right? And so then the, the chess game went to okay, so if you're going to play man coverage, right, we're not gonna read it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna really do play action pass. It looks like the RPO because we're gonna to semi fake to the running back, but the running back is really in the blocking scheme. So now you've added a sixth or maybe a seventh blocker. Maybe you keep the tight end in. And now you're in man. You're in man coverage, and there's no way you can cover um, these NFL receivers for more than two and a half seconds. being in man coverage, so now right, is it RPO or is it play action? Right, you you know every every Sunday we listen to these the announcers, and and they don't really know for sure, but they're sure. getting it wrong. They're getting it wrong sometimes because they look the same, right? Um, but if uh, the running back stays in and protects, then it's play action, and now the defense is in a bind. Their are men coverage on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and those guys. And it's, it's a bad situation for a defense. So it's just a chess game uh, yeah. between offensive and defensive coordinators. And it's so fun to watch uh, really, really good ones make changes in the middle of games.
0: Yeah. Well, and you mentioned uh, the Chiefs, for example, you know, that, that first game they had against the Bucks, the the Bucs tried playing man coverage and got beat by Tyreek Hill. And then what is it? Two months later, they they meet again, and the Bucs had a whole different game plan that worked beautifully for the Chiefs' RPO system.
2: That's right. Yeah, they just they said, okay, we're gonna make you try to drive the ball ten, you know, make you do ten plays, right, and drive it down the field at six yards of uh, a a, a pop, right, five or six yards a pop, and even in the NFL, that's that's difficult to do more than a couple times, two or three times a ball game. Right, go on an 80-yard drive, doing it in 10 or 12 plays. In high school, it's impossible, right? If you ever see a high school team go go for an 80-yard drive in tw- 12 plays, pat that team on the back because someone's going to make a mistake. And you know, you you, you give um, you, you know you tip your hat to the Tampa Bay. They had a great game plan, and they had the they had the patience to stay with it, uh, no matter if you know, if um, when Kansas City did have some success.
0: Right. Well, uh, I, I want to transition and, and talk about uh, recruiting and the college front of things. As somebody that, that has the high school experience that you do and such, uh, I know for, for people listening, whether it's, you know, young, young kids looking that want to play college ball one day or parents, whatever, where does the process start? If, uh, <laughs> if you're a kid looking that has that dream of playing college football,
2: where, where does it all begin? Oh, man. Oh, well, it begins, Tyler. Honestly, it begins as freshmen. And because in what, and what I mean by that, really not the obviously the recruiting part of it, but laying the foundation so you can be recruited. Um, The one thing that it's not talked about near enough, right. Um, When the first semester your grades start counting towards your recruiting and if you don't have a grade point average right of two point three, you're not getting recruited, no matter how good you are. So we down and we talk to those freshmen, right? Uh, no D's on your report card, none, zero, right? Cs and a season above, and for every C you got to have a B. I mean an A. Every C you got to have an A, right? And that's that's the goal. After that, you know, places like Bucanero, Arrow, you're very lucky, right? The biggest high school in the state, right. or you know, Jinx, or right. The, the recruiters are going to come VA. They're going to come there and check them out. Um, but uh, for these kids, um, it's really all about exposure. Now it's, things are so much different, man. That You know, the, 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 uh, the, the, you know, I've got my, I'm, we're doing the zoom meeting on my iPhone, whatever it is, right. 19 or 20, whatever we're on right now. Right. Um, and so, you know, as high school coaches, you make it such an easy opportunity You put these, you, these kids film, you get an opportunity to build a highlight video. Um, and you put that out there now they're the kids this year, this last season, and, and it looks like going into this next group, they're a little bit of disadvantage because they can't go on college visits and the college coaches can't come see them in person. Um, it is still, it's, it's pretty easy. And you want as much exposure as you can, right? you, you we blast out the, the highlight videos. The kids send out their highlight videos. You know you sh- they should not be afraid of emailing coaches constantly, um, and we're not afraid. We got we had at BA with Coach Wilkinson, and you know you know Coach Wilk. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a, we had a database of every recruiting quarter, recruiting coordinating coach in the United States. Um, we had Division One, Division Two, and the NAIA, and we would three or four times in offseason, we would blast out everybody's huddle highlights to these coaches along with their transcripts, right, as we talked, uh, Tyler. And, and the coaches can sit down and they can scan through and, and watch uh, highlights. And then, you know, of course, so all these kids have got Twitters and Instagrams, and then the coaches can reach out to them that way
0: well it seems like uh david that in in your role uh as a as a head coach and such you're actively taking on doing what you can to get these guys recruited not just win football games obviously but trying to get Perhaps. these guys to the next level and, and not every coach operates that way we've seen some of these old school guys are you know hey you know i'll, I'll put in a good word but i'm going to focus on my team right now and the x's and o's portion i mean there's Uh, these elite coaches have a a great balancing act uh, or involved in being player coaches of sorts.
2: Well, you you know, you want, if you really care about the kid, right. If you really, you you know, if you really live what you say and you preach, right. That you're a family and you're, and we're all going to take care of each other, then that carries over, man, you know, um, getting these kids to, uh, have some, get some money, whether it's, you know, if it's a D2 school, right. Or an NA or an N A I school, you know, get some money toward college and, and a, and a, and a secondary education. Um, it's so big for them and their families. And then obviously, if you can get, you know, when, when, a, when a player gets a, a division one scholarship, you know not know, is it great for that player, but it's great for the school. It's great for the town. It's, it's good for the community. Um, we all want to have pride in, you know, whether you're a Broken Arrow Tiger or you're a Bixby Spartan, right, or um, wherever, you know, you want to have pride in your community, and 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 as a football coach, right, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but right, the football programs are really the, the front door to every school, right, whether it's university, right, or high school. You know, the head football coach is um, seen more on TV than the high school principal or the or the superintendent, so. Um, it's uh, it's really good when those kids get scholarships, man. And we want to work for those kids. Those kids, we ask them to work. We ask them to work really hard for us. So we can win football games, right. right? So we're going to work as hard as we can for them to have them, so they can have some success too. You mentioned that
0: you're reaching out to coaches and such. Uh, wh- what about on that college level? Uh, have Have you seen that uh, some coaches are more uh, connected with high schools than others? What's the relationship between uh, high school coaches and college coaches like right now?
2: Uh, it's fantastic. Now, I, I haven't seen very many college coaches that I would say were disconnected. Man, those guys, they know that high school coaches are, are their lifeblood. Um, and we are, high school coaches are treated so well by the, by the college guys. You know, man, they, some of those guys, I've made lifelong friendships with coaches that have come in to recruit just because, you know, they want to build a relationship with, with me and with, you know, any high school coach. They just want to – they they understand um, that we know those kids better than anybody. We're – you know, a high school junior, senior football player are, is with a football coach during football season more than they are at home, more than they are with their parents. Um, we see those kids in, in stressful situations. We know about their girlfriends more than their parents do. We know which class is their most difficult, right? We know which teacher – they like, which teacher they have a tough time communicating with. And so we know as much or more about those, those players than anybody, and the college coaches really understand that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know you got to run, so I want to ask you, you know, just a, a couple more things before we can get done with this. And yeah. uh, when, when you look at – you mentioned getting these guys to the college level of sorts, we've spent so much focus on D1, but there's some incredible D2 – you know, NAIA, JUCO programs, and such. I know that these guys dream of playing D one, but that's not even what it's all about. Just getting your college paid for, and getting to play is such an opportunity you, in its own right.
2: That's right. If you can get some money toward your toward your your your, your um, tuition, right? If you can get some money, and you can get an opportunity, right, to use your athleticism to go to college, man, it's such a blessing. Um, Yes, you know, kids grow up and, and they're watching Division One football on TV. That's where they that Division One dream comes from. But when they get to be seniors and they realize, hey, I've got a chance to go to, you know, UCO or Pitt State or, you know, wherever, and and these college coaches are going to get let me play football games, right? And they're going to help pay for my school, right? And I can get out of here and I can go, I can walk out of a, a university in four years with a degree. Um, it's going to help set my family up for the rest of my life.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you mentioned Pitt State. Their atmosphere is better than some of these some of these college programs. So the, yeah, the, the football tradition that they have. I mean, heck, I'd love to play there. You know, I mean, I, man,
2: they, they have as many they have as many or maybe more fans come to games than Tulsa does sometimes. You yeah, know, when they're when Pitt State's rock and rolling.
0: Right. Oh yeah, I mean, they just spent the money on a on a D one offensive coordinator to be head coach and such. I mean, that's not messing right. around. So right. yeah. Last thing we'll, we'll, end on this. Uh, you, w- Your role at, at Broken Arrow wasn't just as head coach. You were director of football operations, overseeing the whole football program and everywhere I look, you know, I covered Kansas high school football in Missouri for a long time, David, the most successful uh, high schools are always that; those that seem to establish the program from a young age. That right. maybe they don't even have the athletes, but they know what they're getting into, and that program's established. Tell me about that—just where that's come of, evolved of sorts, of just establishing those programs.
2: Well, you know, I can't take a lot of credit, Tyler. You know, I, when I came from, you know, I've been an assistant at Jinx for for um, seven years, right? So. I just followed – I just brought the template over there. And so when I was in the interview process at the Broken air job, right, they were like, you know, we had never – we've never won here. We've never won. How are we going to win? I said, well, the first thing you got to do, you can't let Jinx outwork you, right? Um, so we – we I brought the template to what they were doing over there, and we implemented it. Um, it's the same thing that Coach Montgomery's done at, at right? He just took the same template that he saw Coach Trimble doing um, – and it's, it's hard work and it's dedication and, and, but it's, it's building confidence and it's loving on kids and it's making sure they go to class. It's, it's a, it's a big pack. You know, the program is the, is the word that all the coaches that really best in, believe in uh, because the program is not just running inside zone or running RPO or running zone coverage or man coverage. Right. right? It's um, making sure a kid goes to class and, and make sure they learn how to lift weights correctly and, and everything about it
0: right well I mean who you worked with Alan Trimble uh it started with those guys at Jinx from a young age
2: there because it did right that the program was you know they all wore the same uh jerseys and helmets and they all looked the same and they all did uh they ran the same offenses the same defenses and you, know, you had to if you want to be good that's just the only way it's if you want to win if you want to be successful in athletics you know um as Nick Saban says <laughs> it takes it takes right there are no shortcuts
0: yeah well well david man we, we've had a fascinating discussion i know you're out of time but thanks for joining us let's uh let's talk again down the line appreciate appreciate you joining us and uh somebody's to hire this guy uh, already come,
2: come on <laughs> Tyler Tyler you' are doing a great job man i'm i'm, I'm proud of you I'm proud of you and thank you for letting me be on your show
0: Big thanks to David Alexander for joining us here on the Jones reports. Oliver Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now joined by the coach, Brian O'Connor for this week's edition of coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor advisory group. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing this week, man?
3: Hey, you know, it's another day in paradise. Hey, we're getting warm. Finally, had a few days. We've been a out. The snow is finally melted, you know, here in beautiful Lawrence, Kansas. And, uh, We can go outside without freezing our ass off. (laughs) No question. What's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group? Hey, you know, uh, last week I kind of mentioned it, and I want to really push it hard here. I'll let people know, hey, we've just made an agreement at O'Connor Advisory Group with PlansWell. And PlansWell is a, uh, really, it's a new deal. It's a great way to do a financial profile, kind of take an idea of where you're at currently. You get an idea of where you want to be when you retire or for different goals you may have. And uh, it's a great way of getting a plan. And then we help you kind of hold your hand, be your partner from the beginning to the end. And we want to do that with you. We want to talk about being your partner. What we can do right now is we can send you the plans well with our special link. And you can do your retirement plan for free. That's great. It's a, really cool, it's a really cool deal. Just go to our website, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com or O-A-G-K-S dot com. Uh, click on the contact us. Send a message in and I will send you the link personally myself. It'll take you about 20 minutes to complete the information you need for your profile. That includes all your financials and everything else. Your information is confidential. Only people who will see it will be you and you will have uh forever log in can go in and check it out anytime uh it also will send me a copy as well and i can follow up you if you if you'd like as well so it's a great way to get kind of a soft um a soft introduction to a financial advisor and to say hey what is this all about it's a great way of seeing hey are you on course do you need help you know here you go so yeah check it out go to oagks.com uh check us out over there get to contact us we'll get you the link and then I'm also going to be posting that on the Facebook page, at O'Connor Advisory
0: Group on Facebook. We'll be posting that later in the week as well. That's great. Contact Bo at O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, oagk oagkscom Also by phone, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email, brian.oconnor at LPL.com. That's brian.oconnor at LPL.com. Bo, let's get right to it. Uh, franchise tag season is here as teams try to figure out who should they keep for that price, which the franchise tag, in case folks don't know, is the uh, is a one-time deal, you know, it, it, a one-year deal. And it is uh, a percentage of the highest earners of that position is the result of the money that's owed. And obviously the effort of it is to – uh, for teams to have another year to try to keep their own players instead of just letting them walk in free agency and and with the hopes of them signing another deal or potentially trading them and get some value out of it. So who are some names that come to mind? I know you've been looking around of uh, who would be good fits to be tagged.
3: Okay, so uh, the number one that I think everyone sees and are thinking, you know, is this guy going to get tagged is Dak Prescott. Uh, the Cowboys are going to tag him. Now, what we need to understand with the tag is how it works. So it's based on your position, and they'll say, so for quarterback, for Dak Prescott, the Cowboys will agree to pay him an equal salary to the average of the top three players in his position. So the Cowboys will have to pay Dak Prescott for this coming year. I believe the number I heard was $38 million. Yes. A year deal. Now, what you'll see is teams will handle this differently. Some teams will just do it to keep a player for a year. Some teams will do it so they can trade a player and not have a large salary cap a dead money hit. And then some teams will do it so they can negotiate a long-term deal. That's what Dallas is going to do with Dak Prescott. Dak is the only player, my prediction, this offseason, the only player – In the NFL, who is going to get a long term big money contract is going to be Dak Prescott. He will get the franchise tag here in the next week or so, wait, next week or two. And then from there, the Cowboys have exclusive rights to negotiate with him. And they will, at that time, either make a deal or trade him. At a certain point, getting up to training camp, They will not be able to negotiate a long-term deal. That doesn't happen until August. I think think it's August the 15th. There's a date in there. Don't quote me as the gospel on that exact date. At that point, two sides can no longer negotiate a long-term deal. Um, But I expect, number one, Dak Prescott. That's going to be to make a long-term deal, though.
0: I don't see him leaving Dallas now. Okay, so let's elaborate a little more on Dak there. His situation, here's a guy that – was tagged last year and they've been negotiating for a long time. He turned down a pretty significant offer from Dallas in one mindset. You got to think they've had all this time to get a deal done. What makes sense for them for Dak why would he go ahead and get a deal done now if they weren't going to pay him earlier and he's coming off an injury do you think Dallas is going to come back with a better offer for him than what he was offered previously
3: well normally in this situation you would think that uh, the Cowboys would have the leverage that the players coming off an injury however the Cowboys were awful once Dak Prescott got hurt last season And they were bad. And the only thing they really have going for them as a future of that franchise right now is Dak Prescott. So I think it's the rare opportunity where he has the leverage. Um, The biggest point of this right now is that, yeah, he's not signed a new deal yet. Uh, He'll get the franchise tag, but it's going to be a blip on the radar. This is simply going to be a franchise tag so that the Cowboys have him under contract so that no one else can negotiate with him and that they can can make the best possible. Now, the Cowboys are going to have to pony up. They're going to have to give him a huge bonus. Um, I don't think he's going to quite get Mahomes' money, but I think he's going to get a contract similar to what Deshaun Watson, kind of in between years, years years-wise, between what Deshaun Watson got and what uh, Mahomes got. I would think that Dak's going to get like an eight-year deal maybe, and he's going to get a huge signing bonus up front. He has not been paid well. You've got to remember, Dak Prescott was not a first-round pick. Right. He was actually a fifth-round pick, if I remember correctly. I mean, he was a later-round pick. And I think that, you know, in his case, it makes sense. He got his franchise last year. That was really the first year he made great money, you know, really starting quarterback, franchise quarterback money. So this is his opportunity to cash in. Um, He's negotiating basically just with one team, but they are... They're the Cowboys, and they have to make a big splash at quarterback. And he has all the leverage. This is going to be a huge contract, and the franchise tag thing for Dak
0: is going to be just a blip on the road. Who's some other names that come to mind about franchise tags?
3: A couple of interesting ones to me. I want to see if Chris, uh, Chris Godwin from the Bucks gets one. Um, that's something where it's more of a different kind of thing there, where that's someone who – um, the Bucks are going to kind of reload again. They've got some players who are now free agents, you know, Dama Kassou, Leonard Fournette, who may be leaving. And so they've got to figure out how is this going to work with caps? There's also going to be some players that want to come there as veterans and fill in. Um, the Bucs don't want to make a huge commitment to somebody if they don't have a quarterback after next season – and Tom Brady's only got one more season left on his contract, so I, I think we'll see He's um, gonna get a, in a situation where they could let him walk a year from now, and that's more of protecting them, the team, on the upside, and then giving them an opportunity if they, they decide, hey, we want to give them a contract, they can do that. So that's one I think is going to be interesting. Um, Hunter Henry from the Chargers is another one I will look at. I wonder if he's going to get franchised. Um, he didn't have, didn't perform as well this year as he had the year before, but young quarterback, young tight end, Hunter Henry's got a lot of talent. He's going to get paid like a top three. I mean, he's not – if you look at – if you tier that position, there's one in 1A in Travis Kelsey and George Kittle – I mean, there's three or four in there. Uh, I think Darren Waller is one of them. I think Hunter Henry is one of those guys, too. So it's a good way for, again, take a look at one year, see if he is that top guy, then make a deal. We'll see about that one. Um, Kenny Galladay from the Detroit Lions is going to be an interesting one as well. Um, This is a guy who has never quite been as good as he's capable of. I think Kenny Galladay is incredible, by the way. I think he's just a a next-level talent. They've just never really had a great offense. They had Matt Stafford those years. The interesting part to that, to me, will be can the Lions afford to make Kenny Galladay a franchise player? You really can't afford to let him walk right now, They've also just committed a whole lot of salary cap room to bringing on uh, Jared Goff after trading Matt Stafford. So I think that the idea of Kenny Galladay getting a franchise tag is more for, he might be a future traded player. Right. Um, I see that sort of thing happening possibly for Aaron Jones in green Bay a guy. Again, it's hard to pay running backs. So if you can kind of, you can kind of baby it in a way contract-wise where you pay him one big year at a time because the tires tend to go bad on running backs quickly. And that could be a, an issue with Aaron Jones. I think he'll I think he get tagged for that reason. and Because somebody you can let go in a year or maybe tag him again next year as well. The last one I got at six total, the last one is Will Fuller from the Texans. Are Texans going to keep anybody? And here's what I'll say about this. If Fuller gets franchise tag, I think that speaks to there's a chance that Sean Watson stays. And that hasn't been said a lot of times, but here's my thinking. That is the one player on that offense that Sean Watson's got to have. He's got to have at least one weapon. Fuller, if they let Fuller walk. There's no chance. I just no, that's just another quiver in the in the in the bow for Deshaun Watson to say, "Screw you guys, I'm out of here." Right. Trying to do something to mend the fence, giving Fuller some money, making him the franchise, give the franchise tag keeps him there, and it's a message to Deshaun Watson to say, "Hey, we've got your guy. Now stay
0: with us, and let's try to rebuild
3: around you too."
0: So one name that you didn't mention was Allen Robinson of the Bears. Yes. Their star receiver who has had to deal with Mitch Trubisky the last few years. And he is going to be a name that if he gets to free agency, will certainly have a lot of money thrown around him. Why should why would the Bears not be interested in franchise tagging
3: him? I, I kind of had him on the next list. Um, okay. I didn't want to get too offensive-minded, and every player I had was sure, offensive sure. Um, I think the Allen Robinson thing is going to be uh, interesting. If they do tag him, um, it's they can afford it because the salary cap's not too bad for the Bears. Uh, they're not paying a big quarterback right now. I think the Bears. I kind of have an opinion that the Bears are, are the kind of. To me, they're the front runner in the Deshaun Watson deal right now.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So I think a lot of this is going to depend on with the Bears. What are they going to do at quarterback? I think that the Allen Robinson thing is something they're going to try to manage for a couple of weeks, or at least a few weeks, and see, okay, where are we going at quarterback first? If they can get Deshaun Watson, then I think they also try to make a deal with, with Robinson because, again, you got to give them something on like the side of the ball. Um, but if they can't get Deshaun Watson, if they're stuck in drafting a quarterback – or they're stuck in trying to go get a a, a stopgap quarterback, they may think, well, let's just take all the dead money we can right now, let Robinson go, trade him for some draft picks, and we'll take the hit in 2021. I think the one thing we're going to see, this isn't really franchise tag related, but it kind of toes to what's going to happen in this offseason is we're going to see some teams that give up on the 2021 season, now the example is the detroit lions the detroit lions have already given up on the 2021 season they're taking this huge money hit the eagles have done it already you have dead money and you and teams are going to take dead money hits and get rid of problem players now on the lower salary cap here so that next year in 2022 They don't have dead money issues and they can go get free agents. They can look at signing. And so I think the free agency is going to be, I already said, I think Dak's the one guy who gets a long-term deal. Nobody else will. And I think that the franchise title gets used less unless it's to sign them for a year
0: to trade. So last week we released the show literally – right before the Carson Wentz trade went down. Yeah. But we didn't get to talk about it. So that uh, brings up my next point when you bring up the Eagles. Uh, the Carson Wentz trade, uh, seeing him get sent to Indy, and the Eagles doesn't seem like they got much for him. They were wanting a couple first-round picks. Eagles are also taking a lot of that salary from Wentz as well. What do you make of how that trade went for both sides? Okay, so –
3: um if you want to say one team won the trade and one team lost, um, the Eagles lost the trade and the Colts won the trade, but there are no winners in this trade, only losers. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. One, Carson Wentz, unless he's Carson Wentz of two seasons ago, and and Frank Reich thinks he can be. I, I saw. I think it was. Chris Ballard, the GM of the, of the Colts, yes. came out and said they would not have made that deal if it was not for Frank Reich. He thinks he can fix Carson Wentz.
0: He's, I think he's delusional. Carson
3: Wentz is done. You know, they've they worked together. They were together when he was a rookie. You know, that was his, that was his offensive coordinator. I think the what you got to really understand is that the head coach is not sitting there in the quarterback room. The head coach is not the quarterback's coach. The head coach is the CEO. He's running a hundred things. He's not going to sit there and have time to baby Carson Wentz. The Colts have made this deal because they think that Carson Wentz is good enough to take them and to – he was the Carson Wentz two years ago and that he's good enough to compete with the Chiefs and going um, to the top teams – the Chiefs and Buffalo –
4: and, Baltimore, and,
3: yeah, Cleveland. Baltimore, I, I just don't see that. I, I, that's a good team. He's got the answer. If 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 Carson Wentz is not really good, Frank Wright should be fired. Frank Wright's now tied his entire coaching career in Indy to one player. And he had better... He's going to have to be the quarterback's coach at this point as well as the head coach. And that doesn't happen in the NFL. So... I think it's a losing proposition there. Now the Eagles, this just goes to show how bad that contract with Carson Wentz was. So they have traded Carson Wentz for basically a bucket of, as they say in a golf range, a bucket of balls. (laughs) Uh, They're getting a third round pick and a two next year. That could become a one. If Wentz plays 75% of the snaps. Um. Now, in that case, I'm looking at this if I'm the Eagles. The Eagles are that team who I said earlier, teams that you're going to know if your team has quit already on 2021. The Philadelphia Eagles have absolutely quit on 2021. Now, it's kind of a genius of an idea, money-wise. Salary cap has dropped. Last year, it was like $215 million. It's dropping down to about $183 million. So it's already going to be hard to manage a salary cap that went down because revenue went down. There was nobody, nobody in right. okay, the stands. Right. The player's share goes down, salary cap goes down. But trading Carson Wentz makes for the largest dead money hit in the history of the salary cap, in the history of the NFL. And what that means is had, that's not money they have to pay Carson Wentz, but that's deferred bonus they've already paid him. That's all now due to the salary cap. And I think the number that I saw was something like 40 million. I mean, it's basically like 25% of the salary cap. And that's fine to spend 25 or spend 40 million on a quarterback. The Chiefs are gonna do that with Patrick Mahomes this year. But he's Patrick Mahomes and he's playing and he's an MVP type of player. Carson Wentz is playing for somebody else now. Right. right. You didn't get anything really back. You did not get a high pick. I thought they were delusional trying to ask for a number one pick. And then they thought they were going to get a Matt Stafford thing. I think I told you the story last week. I said, look, if you're asking me and I'm the general manager and someone says, hey, we want, give us two ones and we'll give you Carson Wentz, I would have hung up on <laughs> I wouldn't even take the phone call. And frankly, the GM of the Colts, the first thing he ought to do when Frank Wright says I want Carson Wentz is go to his owner and ask for a contract extension before he makes that deal. Because you ain't going to tie me to him. No, 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 no. No, you can tie your coach to him, but I don't want him. Right. I'm not putting my career to that choice. I would have called my agent immediately if I was the GM of the Colts. Right. Right. Negotiating myself a new deal because – I'm not about to make that decision, not without the owner's approval and not without tying everything back to the coach who says he wants that player.
0: Right. I I want to bring bring in Tom here uh, uh, for for this for a second because one thing that's interesting I found about this trade, Tom, uh, was the fact that the draft pick situation is conditional, We don't hardly see that in the NFL. That's more of an NBA thing or even baseball. That, to me, I found was a bit strange. And maybe, Tom, this is the start of the direction more NFL trades could go.
1: Yeah, I think so with, you know, the amount of picks just being swapped left here and right. I mean, I've been a part or maybe I wouldn't call it a trade victim. It's actually worked out so far, but the Rams haven't had a first round forever, but what if they would have made some of those conditional just for protection's sake? I mean, what if the Rams the bed and then lost all those picks? I think it's even better for the league because if a lot of these picks do get, you know, top three protected, top 10 protected or whatever it may be, that adds just a whole new thing. We could even be seeing more trades, um, with teams feeling more confident, dealing picks if they are protected or if they are conditional. Uh, I mean, I like to see it. Yeah.
3: Well, there's a historical reason why in the NFL we haven't seen that. The reason we haven't seen as much of the, of the um, you know, enhanced trades like that where you have a – you get a fifth, but if this player does this well, you get a third. It goes all the way back to the Dallas Cowboys trading Herschel Walker. Right, <laughs> or they, they, in essence, got seven picks from the Minnesota Vikings for Herschel Walker. Um, no one wants to make that kind of deal ever again. Um, but I think it's—I what Thomas saying is right. I think you will see this in, in the stake of quarterbacks. I think the biggest drawback on this or what the biggest indication this is, when you look at what happened with Stafford being traded for Goff and the Rams basically just giving their trash to the Lions – and then the Eagles just taking their trash and giving it to the Colts, Um, and now the Texans trying to figure out what to do with Deshaun Watson, is I think it's going to limit teams from giving big contracts to quarterbacks. I think we're going to see the guys who are the young quarterbacks now, so the guys who are rookies like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, um, guys from the year before, they're not going to get extensions year three now. And I think what we're going to see is more quarterback movement of even franchise level quarterbacks after the third and fourth year of someone's deal.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And as far as the Eagles go, you would think that Jalen Hurts is going to be their guy, but with making this deal and the way that we've seen the short window on quarterbacks, new head coach coming in, Who's to say that Jalen's really going to be their guy? What You know, they, they, I understand they do have a lot of holes, but, Bo, well, I don't know about you. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of the Eagles spending a first or second-round pick on a quarterback to compete with Jalen Hurts. I think it would
3: be foolish to go with an early pick.
0: Now I, uh, I agree. I'm doing,
3: I can see if they like someone who's a third, fourth, fifth-round guy, and they say, maybe this could be a guy we could use. I could see that. If the Eagles, if they,
1: if they take a quarterback in the first round, all of Philadelphia will have a stroke. Yes. Oh, he absolutely. Yes. It's they were pissed mistake. about. They were. They were pissed about Jalen Hurts. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that the Eagles have got to use their first couple picks to, to get them some young, you know, athletic players. I was looking at this. I got it pulled up over here. <clears throat> Pardon me. The dead money number. For the Eagles for this coming season. Now, keep in mind, the salary cap is going to be $183 million, give or take. The Eagles are going to be paying four players to not be on their roster this year. A total of $40 million. That's some Charlie Wise. Yes, well put. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh. $5, of that, is five million of that is Deshaun Jackson. So keep in mind, they're still paying people that aren't there. And they're going to use up 20% of their salary cap on that, more than 20%. So it, I think if you're the Eagles, you're just punting this season. So what I would do is absolutely play Jalen Hurts every single play I could. I got to know if he's my guy in 2022. So going and getting a young quarterback who is a first or second round pick is a huge mistake because now I'm allocating resources to this kid. Well, I don't know if this other guy I already got is good enough. If the Eagles do that, they should. The, the Eagles fans should riot, which I mean, Eagles fans can they can represent. We know, we know. I Philly mean, is. they'll
1: riot about whatever. I mean, if you yes, put anything other, to other to than cheese whiz on your Philly, they're burning half the city down.
3: Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna they boo whoever it is. But if they pick a quarterback in rounds. It's one or two. Those fans, y'all should riot. Hey, I'll join you. I I think that they're dead wrong if they do it, especially in this draft. But I don't think it's a deeper quarterback draft.
0: So yeah. just... I I think that there's you you say that, but there's probably going to be four or five quarterbacks picked in the first round. Whether you like them yeah. or not, that's probably what's going to happen.
3: That's just the way the league is now. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, you know, to to add to that too, you know, Jalen Hurts, um, you know, I, I like Jalen's story. He's a great guy. You know, he's had uh, a phenomenal college career and, and a decent rookie year, but I, I don't think he's that answer for them long-term at quarterback either. So we'll see as far as the Philadelphia Eagles go in their uh, situation there. Big Ben looks like he's going to stay in Pittsburgh another year. He's due $40 million and his quarterback draft class around him. You saw Eli Manning retire a couple years ago. Phillip Rivers called it quits this year. Big Ben, who no question is the best of the three-bow, looks like he's going to be the one that uh, lasts the longest of sorts. But based on what we saw the Big Ben last year, it, it, that, that gas tank's empty. I don't know how they can get that car started with Ben here.
3: So I'm interested to see what's going to happen. First off, I'm going to take your point and just move on. Oh, he's the best of the three because he's not, but it's okay. Um, Yeah, I'll take my man Eli over him.
2: Oh, oh. no,
3: stop that. Stop that. Yeah, I'll take Eli. That's blasphemy. No, no, Big Ben, no. Um, Hey, look, um, he's not getting paid $41 million. He's do 40 – cap number is $41,250,000. He's washed. He's fat. Um, he weighs more than I do. Um, he, he hit. Hey, when we saw Ben Roethlisberger this past summer, and he had that arm thing going where he couldn't do a lot of working out, you tell me he wasn't three bills. <laughs> right? I mean, he's a big, big man. He's a big guy anyway. He ain't mobile. Oh. He, you know, he. I know why. There's not a lot of tread left on the tires. <laughs> now... <laughs> Problem the the problem the Steelers have is they can't trade him for anything. Right. There's no what can you get for him? So it's either you have to release him or you have to pay him. Now, Big Ben wants to get paid. I mean, who doesn't want to finish that your contract to make and he's gonna be due, let's see here, the 41 million dollars a big part of its prorated bonus it's 22 million of its prorated bonus. So he's due, um, 4 million in base salary, 15 million in roster bonus. So what that means is that the Steelers will work out a deal with him. They'll say, Hey, look, let's sign you to a one year or a two year deal. Let's chop up some of that bonus. Let's give you, um, Let's take this cap hit over two years, and they'll figure out a way to pay him the 20 million he would make this year. He'll probably still get paid that. They'll just chop it up over two years, and then the next year they'll take a hit on part of that bonus, spread it as 10 million and 10 million, or whatever they can do salary cap-wise. But yeah, I mean, if you're the Steelers, remember the Steelers were eleven and 0?
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and there was a part we were on here talking, and Jonesy, you were one pushing hard for it for a while. I think about weeks six to ten, you were talking about Ben Roethlisberger MVP.
0: He was in hey, the Josh. discussion at one point, and then that fell flat fast. Yeah.
3: But what we realized is that it wasn't, they weren't playing well because Ben Roethlisberger was playing well. They were just, he was a pseudo candidate because he was the quarterback of a team that was undefeated.
0: And has one of the best receiving cords in the league, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. The other question then is,
3: okay, well, what do you do with the quarterback with Ben Roethlisberger, who is how old now? He is thirty nine years old. And I don't, you know, we we can talk about Tom Brady being forty three, and Drew Brees just played at forty two. He's thirty nine and fat. all right? let's just be honest. I mean, he's, he's a fat man. The
0: the, right uh, the the, the Big Ben there. method. You know, he, the Big Ben method is, uh, is beer and pizza. It's not anything like that TB12 method.
3: No, I think the Big Ben method is Krispy Kreme donuts and Budweiser. I'm <laughs> telling you. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, God bless him. He's collected all the money. Good for him. He's made a lot of money. Um, but I do think that if you look at what he's where he's at, I mean, you have to make a decision. What do you going to do with a 39-year-old quarterback? But then you've also got to figure out – all right, he's a 39-year-old fat quarterback. You better have somebody good in the wings in case he eats too many wings or he gets hurt. Well,
0: speaking of that, Mason Rudolph, it sounds like the Steelers organization wants to give a shot. He looked all right when he filled in for Big Ben uh, when Big Ben went down, but they didn't really go anywhere. They missed the postseason of sorts. There's another question for you. If Big Ben struggles, you're paying him enough, can you justify benching Ben for Mason Rudolph at some point, even though he's going to get a decent amount of money? Well, there's two ways
3: to look at that. One, I just pulled this. Mason Rudolph's only got one more year on his contract. He's only got the 2021 season. So kind of like we talked about Jalen Hurts, you've got to know what you've got at quarterback. So he's going to have to play. And what you've got to figure out is, well, I mean, you're going to pay Ben the money. You're going to go ahead and play Ben. But if Ben's not playing well, yeah, you yank him. If he's hurting your team on the field, you have to yank him. But do you also have to ask yourself, do we have a better chance of winning with Ben Roethlisberger or with Mason, Randall, Mason Rudolph? And I don't know the answer to that. The coaching staff for the Steelers knows that better than I do, clearly. Would make a lot more money than I do. Um, but you know what? They're going to have to make a hard decision there. I think you go in and you go ahead and pay Ben. You give him his last hurrah. But the first time he's hurting your team from being successful or he hurts them on the field, yeah, you go to Mason Rudolph.
0: Okay. So we'll see how that uh, it plays out there. Yeah, and, I'll, uh,
3: I'll say one thing, though. I'll say one last thing about that, though. If you go to Mason Rudolph, you're kind of waving a white flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, unless, he's, unless he ends up being what they hope he is. But if right. not, they're waving the white flag in that case. Yeah. That's the reason that I don't think they're going to sign, uh, you know, a lot of talk about J.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of that whole situation. Watt does not stop Steelers. Okay.
0: Um, Isaiah Wilson, uh, first-round pick for the Titans last year. And – only played a total of four snaps. And then he tweets out that he wants out of Tennessee, deletes the tweets. And now there's talk about him being traded, maybe released, whatever it may be. Really a bizarre situation for the uh, Titans. Uh, He might go down as one of the worst first-round picks of all time, Bo.
3: Yeah, you know, here's where I feel bad. Here's where I'm going to defend the player a little bit. (laughs) Pardon me. Um, I'm going to defend the player a little bit. Because I don't know Isaiah Wilson. I don't know anything about him other than he was a really good tackle in college. He's a first-round pick. He's a guy that has an organization the Titans have made a commitment to. But you're right. He played four plays. He had a couple of off-the-field incidents, too. One early, one late in training camp where he was on campus at Tennessee State at a house party. and gets busted up by the cops. That During fear, COVID. He threatens to jump yeah, dude, and he, he almost jumps out of a second-story window to <laughs> evade the cops, is my understanding. I mean, not, not a great decision-making. least he didn't jump. That's good. Uh, so at least a half-assed good decision. Uh, <laughs> then he has a, 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 a DUI situation where he his car hits a concrete barrier of some kind. Luckily, it wasn't at a high speed. But it sounds like it's a young man who's got some issues. And... I don't know enough about him or what he has um, done or has caused some of these issues. So I'm not someone who's just going to attack the player and say, oh, he's a loser. They shouldn't do anything with him. Um, I know the Titans have said they hadn't spoken to him directly. The general manager said they hadn't, he had not spoken to uh, Wilson directly since December, which was as of last week. So we're talking second week over second or
0: third week of February. And that's they played football. Area. They played football in January oh. too. So,
3: yeah. So I mean, that's a unique situation there. Um, at the same time, then that comes out, and then the young man tweets something. He probably tweets something in haste. He deletes it thirty minutes later. Who amongst us have not done that? I know. I certainly have. Um, Tom's done that a age. few times. Yeah. So <laughs> again, I'm not judging. Um,
1: I, uh... I go ahead, Tom. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I will, I'll line in for me. That's fine. <laughs>
3: uh, so, uh, so, you know, the, I feel bad for the young man because I just don't know the situation well. I'm not going to make a judgment on whether I think the young man's a bad young man, if there's something wrong with him. He's also 22 years old. You know, who amongst us is not a weird 22-year-old, did stupid stuff. I certainly did. You know, I mean, I'm double that age and still do stupid stuff once in a while. So uh, I get it. I think that this could be handled better by both sides. I think the GM should not have said that publicly. Maybe he was thinking, well, I'll say this. He'll hear it. He'll get back with us. That's what agents are for. Talk to the agent. Tell the agent, hey, we want to see him. We're worried about, him. you know, he's important to us. The football side of it is, you know, you have to make a decision. If you're the Titans organization, it's just a young man that you're going to rock with moving forward. It's just a man you want to keep on your roster. If so, you know, get him all the help you can get him. Get him the things he needs to be successful. If not, if you said, okay, he's gone. It's a bridge too far. I can't keep this guy on my roster. Well, now you got to figure out the best way to get rid of him. And that's going to have to come in this form of a trade in his case. It's not going to come in the form of a release. Um, and again, because it's going to all come back down to one thing, one thing only, and that's money. Um, he's due, he's a $9 million cap hit. And if he's cut before June 1st, it's $9 million in dead money. But I did cut. look at this and I saw, well, what if he's traded? He's traded after June the 1st now his cap is just a prorated bonus of $1.4 million. That's mm-hmm. a lot more doable. But What it could be is they could be trading him somewhere, you know, after June the 1st for a 2022 draft pick, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's a fifth or a sixth rounder, you know, maybe a team decides they want to take a, a player who's athletic, who's got an opportunity. Maybe they think that a team could say, maybe we can give him what he needs. Uh, This is kind of similar to what's – my opinion on this is a little bit weird. I think I heard it well put this past week or two weeks ago by Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green had a great quote a couple weeks ago saying, we never always talk about the player failing a team. How come we never talk about the team failing a player? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's what's going on with the Titans. I just don't – I mean,
1: we talk about the Detroit Lions all the time.
3: Well, they have a record of failing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> track record, is
3: track record. Um, but I think if you look at it and you just go, okay, well, what can we do? I think the Titans probably want to do the best thing by the young man. We just don't know what's going to happen there. So I, I, I empathize on both sides. I tend to err to the side of the, of the player in this case because he is such a young man. This would be different if his player was 27, 28. He was a veteran, and he was just losing his mind. I would I would feel a little differently. But I think a 22-year-old guy needs to be given a little bit of just see what kind of help can we give you. And if he just isn't worthy of the help, or I don't even want to say worthy, if the, if the help's been offered, he hasn't taken it. Then you say, okay, as an organization, how do we best most efficiently get out of this? Right. That's what it's going to be. And and it wouldn't surprise me to see a team take a flyer on him in June, a team who maybe gets an injury at that position or a team that says, hey, we're just not deep at that position and we can give up a fifth round pick for a first round talent. Right. You know, I mean, you know, there's kind of one here locally that could use a tackle, yeah, you know, Chiefs could give a fifth round guy in June. Why right. not? You know, you know. So just an example. I mean, I don't know that's happening. I don't have any insight in that. Right. But it's something that could happen. If there was a, a coach or an organization that could do something like that, you think Andy Reid might
0: be a good mentor to a young guy like that? Right. And Vrabel's a young coach. I mean, he might not just be ready to handle that type of situation. I think it's the general manager's
3: thing. I, I just, yeah. just judging from what I saw the video of what he said and how he said it, I think it's a, I think it's a regrettable quote by the GM. And I think it was something where the football mentality in that, in that gentleman was saying, "Hey, you're either here or you're not." And I can right. understand. that. Yeah. But I
0: okay. am kind of sympathetic to the 22-year-old kid as well. But... Sure. sure. All right. Last one for you here. Uh, Dion is uh, coaching now. College football, uh, back already, kind of. Uh, FCS football, that is. Uh, Dion made his coaching debut over the weekend with Jackson State in uh, Mississippi. They played a lowly NAIA team and beat them pretty bad. and. And uh, during the game, Dion had some item, personal items of his, including his wallet, stolen out of the locker room, and uh, made a scene of it in the post game and such. And and uh, people have been criticizing Dion how he handled that and such. And you know, I, I, I look at this uh, situation, Bo, and you know, with Dion here, go and do an HBCU like this, um, you know, a, a team that you know they they didn't have running water this weekend with all the weather that hit uh the gulf from uh this uh you know this this cold weather we saw a couple you know within the last couple weeks and such the snowstorm and all that here um you know I, i like i like it i hope Dion does well um you know he'll 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 adapt to being more Coach like of some sorts but to me uh, I, it's great for the HBCUs to bring attention to these programs have a name like Dion involved here what do you think of Dion as a, as a college coach here
3: okay so I like Dion I like prime um, you know the prime time thing he was as a player was a character. You know, it was was put on. It was something, and he admits that that was something he did to draw attention because the attention got him higher in the draft. It got him more money. That's what he wanted to do. Um, If you look at the man, Deion Sanders, especially in his post-playing career, he's been a mentor. He's been a coach. He's someone that has done the things that, you know, what he's coached and what he's done for kids. He's done it for the players it's not about and yeah he's had a little bit of some attention drawn to him for those things but i really do think a lot of that is that he's gonna draw attention because he's deon sanders right and you know if you see deon sanders at the mall you're gonna be like oh that's Pro, hey you know like Beetlejuice, you know <laughs> elvis yo king you know um but you know it's Pro. i get that um I think it's really regrettable what happened, obviously, that, you know, you know, someone gets in their locker room, takes his personal belongings. That's pretty sh- of a human being to go do that. But I think that, you know, his frustration uh, is passion. I think it's something where he's saying, hey, I think the best line I heard in that whole thing was, it's not about they came in and got his stuff. But he says, I came here and I want to help this team come to a new level. And that doesn't just start with players. It starts with the janitors. It starts with the facilities. It starts with everybody involved. And when you have someone who's made that commitment, and then also he's bringing a lot of money with him. There's a lot of people who will write checks, you know, to Jackson State for football, knowing that Dion is their coach. And they're going to get a lot of attention because of that. They're going to sell some merch. There's some there's some money coming in there. So yeah, he's right. There's things that need to be stepped up. That is no different than when a coach goes to a place, you know, takes a step back, if you will. You know, we can use the example locally of Les Miles going to Kansas. You know, or um, you know, other situations like that where you see a coach who's been successful somewhere. And Deion's not been a successful coach, but he's a name. Right. You know, if if Brett Favre were a coach at a small college in Mississippi, you know, where he's from, if he was to do that, the same attention would come with him. You know, so I think give him a pass, you know, let him say, hey, look, you know, he frustrated. Hell, I'd be frustrated if I didn't have my phone in my wallet when I come back from the sideline as well. I'd be pretty pissed off about that too, especially in a pandemic. And nowadays, who the hell knows any phones you're going to call? Who the hell are you going to call? You didn't get to borrow a friend's phone. I don't know my wife's phone number. I don't know how Dion knows anybody's number. You know, you just hit the contact button, you know? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think to give the guy a pass on it, I think as a coach, I'm really looking forward to seeing him as a coach. I did predict kind of tongue-in-cheek that he wasn't going to actually be the coach. No, I said this when he was named the coach back in the summertime. I was like, I think this could be that he wants to help the school and raise some money, but someone else will be doing some of this work. Or maybe when COVID came around, I thought, well, maybe he won't be the coach and he'll step aside, someone else will come in. He's given them enough attention. Right. But uh, he's the one putting the work in. Man, if he's putting the work in, leave him alone. Let him do what he's doing. Right. I mean, he's going to give young men an opportunity to do some things that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise, some attention they wouldn't have got otherwise, to, to be, do some things. You talked about they didn't have running water in a place. You know, these aren't the best facilities in America. You know, there's the chance for HBCU to get some good facilities, to get some attention, to make some money. And, you know, I just can't see a problem with that.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm excited for Dion. Hopefully, he does well and and uh, does a great job there. Twenty-first uh, in prime at Jackson State should be fun. And uh, he's still an employee of Barstool Sports too. they they're doing he's doing work with Barstool while being head coach here. I've never heard of anything like that before. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, he's Dion. Yeah, he's not anybody. He's Dion. I think that's well said, Paul. Before we let you run. He's probably exactly. But before we let you go, uh O'Connor Advisor Group.com, OAGKS dot com. Where can people contact you? All that info. Yeah,
3: that's the best way. Get a hold of us, uh O'Connor Advisor Group.com, OAGKS.com. If you want to do a short version, um, you can hit us to contact us. That does come directly to me. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. We're gonna have some more stuff going up there as well. Uh those are the best ways to get a hold of us. Check us out. If you've got something you need some help with, hey, I also want to shout out and reach out to all of our teachers. If you're a teacher, if you're a coach, you're local here, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Nebraska, anywhere, and you're thinking about retiring, you're saying, hey, I'm going to turn in my stuff and May is it. I want to chat with you. You've got either a Capers plan or an Emperor's plan. You need to make some decisions and you're going to need a little bit of help. And that is right in our wheelhouse. We can make that happen. Bo, you. are you on OnlyFans? <laughs> I am not on OnlyFans. You know, I, I maybe I should. I don't know. <laughs> hey, some people like some strange things out there. Maybe
0: we want to be you your know. partner.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, counteradvisorgroup dot Oh, wait, <Always> thank you <laughs> Well, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you guys have a great week.
0: A couple more things before we get out of here on the Jones Report today. I want to talk about the NBA All-Star Game. The rosters have been officially announced for the All-Star Game. And the All-Star Game, of course, a little bit later than normal due to the late start to the NBA season. But the starters on the west side going to be LeBron, Steph, Luka, Jokic, and Kawhi. On the east will be Kevin Durant, uh, Giannis, Bradley Bill, uh, Joel Embiid, and Kyrie Irving. And the reserves on the west, Anthony Davis gets a spot. He's going to be out, though, and Devin Booker is going to take that spot instead. Paul George, Rudy Gobert, uh, Damian Lower, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Zion Williamson on the west side. The east, Jalen Brown, Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and uh, Nikolo uh, Vujovic is uh, on that side for the East. So that is a, your lineup going to be more of a traditional all-star game, Tom. We're going to see this be East versus West. No draft between uh, players to figure out who's going to play on what side here. And uh, what do you think? I'll start with you, Tom. What do you make of the uh, all-star roster?
1: You know, there's, there's obviously there's got to be some snubs. There's snubs every year, um, on both sides. And you know, there's probably players that that I root for that didn't make. You know, obviously I'll, I'll come out and say, obviously I'm pissed off. Demar Derozan didn't make it. Obviously, being a Spurs fan, I think he was every bit as deserving as as a few players on that West roster. But, uh, especially Chris Paul. That that's that was just a that's a I don't know. At that point, it's bought. Chris Paul gets in. First off, Jones, Devin Booker didn't get in, but Chris Paul did. Devin Booker is the main guy on that team. Devin Booker should be the one that gets in over Chris
0: Paul. Right. I mean, mean, you want to look at numbers. You want to look at, like, 25 a game for Booker, 17 for Chris Paul. Chris Paul, nine assists. Devin Booker, four. I mean, the numbers are better for Booker. I mean, it's his team, and Chris Paul is secondary.
1: Right. I mean, if if the Suns had to pick who to keep long-term, obviously they're taking Devin Booker. I mean, if, if they're saying who's the best player on the team, it's Devin Booker. No disrespect to Chris Paul. He's just old as shit. Like, he's had his time. Uh, I mean, who would you rather have, DeMar DeRozan or Chris Paul right now? Uh, that would be uh... – between DeMar DeRozan and Chris Paul? Right. DeRozan's drop DeRozan. about 29 yeah. a game. Like, yeah. like I said, no disrespect to Chris Paul, but he's had his time. It's obvious that this is a, a, a bought-in system. Uh, I mean, there's, the there's stat padding. It's Julius so Randall. Julius Randle. Julius Randle made the All-Star game. Now, Julius Randle's had a hell of a year. Uh, I mean, what did Doc Rivers say? Did you hear what Doc Rivers said? No, what? That's what he said about Zach Levine, too, which I thought was a little off because Zach Levine, I'm taking over Julius Randle. But um, Doc Rivers said it's easy to get points on a bad team. I'm well, like, he's damn. He's wrong. Yeah. I mean, no, he's not. I, I've I mean, said Julius exactly thing wasn't on the exact same before, too.
0: But, I mean, Julius Randle, 23 points, 11 rebounds. That's all-star numbers. Zach yeah, Levine. 20, you know, nine points, five assists, five rebounds. Yeah, that's, you know, that's all-star numbers. I have no problem with you. That's fair.
1: I I mean, I have to throw shade on somebody. Here's the one I'm glad that didn't get snubbed. Damian Lillard has been snubbed so many times from the all-star game that I am just happy that he's in it. I am a Damian Lillard fan. Uh, a, A real big Damian Lillard fan, actually. Um. You know what? Unless, I have I mean, he, has, he hasn't got my team yet. He hasn't got the Spurs yet. So until he gets the Spurs, I will be a fan.
0: I have a problem, Tom, with the system, and two folds with the system. One, the emphasis on fan voting and such is ridiculous. But two, think about the NFL. Does anybody care about how many Pro Bowls you went to? No, they care about if you were All Pro or not, and it's given at the end of the year. Um, the NBA needs like an all-pro, all-NBA to be a bigger emphasis of sorts. Instead of us sitting here and, you know, complaining about who's an all-star or not, the, the bigger discussion needs to be at the end of the year about who's all-NBA and who's not. It feels like we spend more time, uh, you know, getting upset about who's an all-star rather than who makes the all-NBA team at the end of the year. That should be a bigger deal. Priorities, Right. Right. I mean, it should be about,
1: like, all defensive, all NBA first, all NBA second. I mean, we do talk about it a little bit, but it's obviously overlooked.
2: Right. It's That's because
1: I'll, st- I'll start – think about this, too. So, no one gives two – bleep me here. No one gives two f***ing shits about the Pro Bowl. The only reason I ever cared about the Pro Bowl was in its glory days when it was in Hawaii. When you had like Peyton Manning and, and Ray Lewis on the same team and like buddying up. Or, you know, you you had you had people like that didn't like each other on the same team. And the Pro Bowl was great because it had awesome wired sound. There were so many good clips from that. And no one plays hard. Obviously it's not it's not for that. You don't want to get anybody injured. Think about how much money the Pro Bowl makes, right? Mm-hmm. Probably not very much. Sure, it was in Hawaii. If I got to go to Pro Bowl weekend with all the events, sure, I would love it. But if I'm going to spend the money, I'm going to spend the money to go to the Super Bowl, not the Pro Bowl. Well, yeah. Think about how big of a deal NBA makes All Star weekend. It's huge. Like the team that they're the city that is. gets the All Star weekend. It's not what The city that gets All Star weekend is huge. I mean, they have. Like huge parties, clubs are popping off with all the NBA stars in town.
0: You say uh, that, but it's not as big as it used to be. I mean, LeBron, no, never, it's not. LeBron never did the dunk contest. Um, you know, the three point shootout has lost its luster to a bit too.
1: I mean, I mean, from, from 07 to like fourteen,
0: All Star Weekend was lit. I hate all star games in almost every sport for the record.
1: Uh, I'm not a fan either. I mean, I'm not – I'm going to the – champ. if I'm going to spend the money, I'm going to go to the championship. It would be cool to see all the players, you know, together if you had a court side seat. But have you ever seen the tickets to get into an All-Star weekend game? I have not. What are they? Oh, they, I mean, I, I can't even remember off the top. But even to get in the building, it's – even to get in the building, I know it's
0: a $1,000. You know, this might not be a good time to mention this, Tom, but I'll say it anyway. I'm actually – Believe it or not, I am going to an all-star event of sorts this year. Um, I'm going to the the NASCAR all-star race, um, but it's, it's not necessary. It just happens to be that it's that race. I'm not going to it because it's the all-star race. Uh, my, my buddy, David Starr, who I do the racing podcast with, uh, he's offered Dominic and I a uh, a, a condo to stay at with him for that race weekend. So I'm going for the experience, not because. Where is it at? In Dallas, in, in D, Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah, so I mean, okay, if they gave me a ticket, of course I'm going to go. Right, right. I'll get a credential and I'll stay in David's. But you're
1: not, line. you're not, buy, you're not going as a fan. You're not paying money to be in the stands.
0: Right, and I'm not. It could have been the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 and I would have been there at this opportunity. I'm not going to it because it's the all-star race.
1: Right. Like, okay, yeah, you can take and go. Where you know, when is that race?
0: It's in June, in the summer.
1: Okay, it'll be hot. It'll be hot as shit there for sure. Um, but it'll probably be a nice change from Omaha, um, especially with – I'm sure you're looking forward to that now, that where you're at. It's freezing cold. Um right. But – like, yeah, I mean, the All-Star, I mean, they had to switch it up. Okay, Jones, remember, they they did the draft. I, I feel like the Pro Bowl started at first. NFL started at first where they were drafting.
0: Yes, it was like and Team this- Deion Sanders versus, uh, you know, Team Jerry Rice or something like that.
1: Right, right. And, you know, that was a cool idea at first, and then it kind of lost its – lost its touch, and then, you know, the NBA obviously picked it up, and now the Pro Bowl has went back to NFC versus AFC, and now the NBA is doing the same thing. Jones, we talked about it before, you know, this segment, that, hey, and, and I think the NBA should do this as a whole. They won't, but I think they should eliminate conferences. The best 16 teams make the playoffs, yes. and they should do that the same thing for the All-Star game. The best players get in. doesn't matter should- if you're in <laughs> the East or West.
0: On top that of that, away, it should be positionless too. It shouldn't have to be that you have to have a center or you have to have this many number of guards. It should be just yeah, because that. this is this is not this is not a, a one through
1: five position game anymore.
0: Right. It should just be the best whatever it is I mean, twenty players from any conference, no matter the position, in the All Star game.
1: Yeah, it should be. I mean, because then at that point, then. I, you know, you're never going to get around, you know, people saying, oh, this per- player was snubbed or that player was snubbed, but you can't eliminate a lot of that if you eliminate conferences or just take what you think is the best, however many, you know, and if, if there's, you know, 20 players and, you know, 14 of them are from the Western Conference. Well, so be it. You know, James Harden just went from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference like that. So did Kevin Durant technically Playing for the Nets now, considering he didn't play last season, so maybe the power balance is shifting a little bit. I obviously still think it's with within the Western as the majority of the power, but and it's kind of it's probably been like that for twenty years, but yeah, that's what we're at. That's where we're at.
0: I would have liked to see my guy SGA from the Thunder make it, um, but I think his day will come. He's still in what his third year in the league. I think there are All Star games in his future. Happy for Zion to see him make it. Uh, I like the Zions in uh, one more for you kind of off the wall. Um, how about the fact that Quinn Snyder, after all that he's been through, right? Uh, not doing a good job at Mizzou and then coming in and just shocking everybody by how well he, he did with uh, the early years. And when he took the Utah jazz job to now be in first place in the Western conference to be, the coach representing the West. And then Doc Rivers on the other side. He was just fired from the Clippers. And now he's the all-star coach representing the East. Um, both these guys, in particular, Quinn Snyder, though. Um, it's uh it's great to see that you can bounce back and you can find yourself back on top pretty quickly here. Uh Quinn Snyder, the Quinn Snyder story in particular is fascinating. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Uh, I mean especially since this Jazz team, you know, had the chance to, to beat the Nuggets and, you know, the, how that went. That was probably the most exciting series, I'd say, maybe. And all they
0: went through with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and, and uh, you know, of course, with Gobert getting COVID, you know, being the first to do that, we all thought that, hey, you know, Gobert's going to be gone or Mitchell, there's no way they can coexist. And they still got through the playoffs together. I don't think anybody, nobody, not even the most Homer Jazz fan, was thinking that here we are today, uh, you know, a whole almost a whole year later since that went down, and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell coexist playing for the Jazz. They're in first place, and, and Quinn Snyder is the West All-Star head coach. That's an underrated storyline about the Utah Jazz that I don't think is getting enough – attention right now
1: no i don't think it is either and the the funny, <laughs> the funniest thing about that is the jazz are maybe okay think about the cities that the nba would want a storyline out of salt lake city is probably the most boring yeah i mean it's 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 one of those cities that you're like mm, no one's going to salt lake city on vacation i promise you uh, they
0: moment? are they, they are to go skiing or something like that, you know. I mean, right. I mean, but, I got a friend of mine that just went to Park City, Utah, down the road for a nice vacation. You know, it's a, it's a family so, vacation, right? All right.
1: Add seven to the hotel room and make your way. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'll probably get flacked for it, but I don't care. <laughs> um, <it's, laughs> but um, I mean, for for the Jazz, I'm kind of happy for the Jazz. Uh just a little bit, just because okay, you know, I've I've been a homer on smaller markets all the time, but it's like, can you believe after all this, if you you hit the nail on the head, if you were gonna tell me last year after all that went down with Rudy Gobert, that if you would have said, Listen, Tom, I think the Jazz are gonna be number one seed in the NBA, best record in the NBA, and Quinn Snyder is probably gonna get coach of the year and be an all-star coach, I would have laughed you off the podcast. There
0: would have been no way. Rudy, uh, so- Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are getting along, and they're both all-stars. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Hmm. I, I mean, I guess it goes to show that winning's a cure-all.
0: Yeah. Winning cures everything. Uh, ben Simmons, uh, you have no business being an all-star. You're a bum. Um- there you go. <laughs> put SGA in, get, get Ben Simmons out. Uh, I guess they're at different conferences, but you get the idea. Um, before we get out of here today, time for our top full story of the week this week. Tom, where are we headed to this time? So, Jones, uh, we talked
1: about it with Bo when I asked him if he had an OnlyFans. That's a little foreshadowing here. Because, <laughs> Jones, we are, uh, we're going to talk about OnlyFans today. Everyone knows about it. Everyone's – Everyone's very familiar with what OnlyFans is, and it's not me and Jones starting an OnlyFans podcast. Um we thought about that. Jones probably Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, we very well could. I don't think we'd get any subscribers. We'd maybe have to pay people to subscribe, <laughs> um, which would not be a very good business model. Um, but Jones, this is pretty controversial, right? And then we're going to Sacramento. We're going, we're going to, to the liberal estate on the, on the West. Well, maybe not, but a very liberal state in California. City. So maybe you could, yeah, where you could, you could skirt around this, right? No, obviously not. This is CBS Sacramento channel 13. Sacramento mom says Catholic school expelled her three kids over her only fans account. <laughs> welcome to Sacramento. A Sacramento mom says her three young kids were expelled from a Catholic school because she sells sexy videos online. The principal at Sacramento Sacred Heart Parish School says the family is no longer welcome and they can't even pick up their things left in class. Uh, there's a poll here, Jones. Um,
0: <laughs> I heard this so story.
1: Should The Catholic school have expelled the kids. No, they shouldn't be par- They shouldn't be punished for their mom. Let's see what the no seventy six percent said. No, twenty three percent, or you know, said yes, it's inappropriate. So screw that. Twenty three percent. Crystal Jackson. That sounds like an OnlyFans. Um, says huh. she and her. Oh, her husband's in on the game too. Says she and her husband take her hot mom persona and turn it into a profit. It started with a post on Reddit where all good things start. That's I've added that in as a way to spice up her relationship with her husband, Chris. Someone was like, hey, why don't you start an OnlyFans, Crystal Jackson said. We're like, what the heck is that? Now more than a year later, she's known as Mrs. Poindexter online <laughs> and is making up 150000 a month selling access to photos and videos on her only fans account some of the pictures include nudity jones but not everybody is a fan now it's kind of like we got caught here's our secret life exposed she said there's another article where i'm going to click on this it's who is hot mom crystal jackson we're going to read some more about that uh mrs jackson says last summer a group of moms found her site and started a what Screw those moms! They're just mad that they're not making 150k a month. Right, those Karens are just jealous. Yeah, they said Mrs. Jackson says last summer a group of moms found her site and started started a campaign to get her three kids kicked out of Sacred Heart Parish, a Catholic elementary school. At one point, the group sent an anonymous envelopes including her explicit content to the DOCs and the school principal. They wanted my kids who are innocent to this whole thing removed, Jackson said. The group's efforts work. CBS 13 obtained a copy of an email sent to the Jacksons, which expelled their three kids from the school. It reads, in part, your apparent quest for high-profile controversy in support of your adult website is in direct conflict with what we hope to impart on our students. It goes on to say, we therefore require that you find another school for your children and have no further association with ours. The email was signed by the school principal, Theresa Sparks school would not comment on the story. Mrs. Jackson says she will continue to post on her OnlyFans, and the family is applying to send their kids to another Catholic school. But worries they may be blackballed from the DOCs in, the, in Sacramento entirely. Okay, we Jones, this is insane.
2: Oh this oh is this is
1: insane. This is this is crazy. Um, I mean, this is this is more. I mean. This happened in Owasso. I don't know if you heard about it. It wasn't an OnlyFans. It was like another, uh, and I don't know if it was Catholic or not, kicked out this elementary school because she said she had a crush on some girl. Kicked her family out completely of the Owasso school. I thought that was ridiculous. It's like she's like a first grader. Like, she doesn't know. (laughs) Like, that's ridiculous. But this is even kind of crazier. The kids didn't even do anything And those moms sound like they have a stick up their ass. And I bet the moms are not as good looking as this mom. I haven't even seen a picture of her yet, to be honest.
0: I've seen a picture of her. Um, She's pretty good looking.
1: Is she? I mean, uh, who is hot mom Crystal Jackson, a.k.a. Mrs. Poindexter? Crystal Jackson, the 44-year-old Sacramento area woman who rose to internet fame after her kids were kicked out of school because nude and semi-nude photos and videos that Jackson posted to her OnlyFans account were brought to the attention of school administrators. Jackson's three kids attended Sacramento's Sacred Heart Parish School until 2021. Right. Says the picture started over a year ago with the post on Reddit of her in a bikini as a way to spice up her relationship with her husband. Um, it pretty much says the same thing. It looks like, but a, a, she says some of the dads in the community became some of her newest fans. I bet it was those moms' husbands. It had to have been. It had to be.
0: I'm going to. I'm going to send you a photo of her right now, um, and uh, that because I saw this same photo. Barstool uh, shared it. Um, I did not go to her OnlyFans account. I'm not Dave Portnoy is a fan. I bet oh yeah they would have to be he's, he's
1: not the only fan it seems an employee of the school Richard Levin was also reportedly fired and his two kids who attended the school were also expelled because of his connection with the videos so Richard's getting in on the action too what a great name to be involved in only fans of well, Richard
0: so she's Mrs. Poindexter wasn't uh, wasn't that old Cartoon Network series uh, Dexter's Lab- Laboratory wasn't he Dexter Poindexter or something like that very well could have been. So maybe it was playing on on that. Maybe uh, she's got her own laboratory going on. Top uh, one of the top comments
1: on Reddit says mom says how the hell do you think I afford tuition for these three kids? Right. Don't like care. it's not like they're going there for free. She's giving you money just I mean they, listen to this. Th- think about this and I'll catch flack for this, but I'm I'll be I will I will be the sacrificial lamb here. Um about this catholicism and catholics in general have taken more hush hush money or given out more hush hush money for way worse than a 44 year old posting her titties online there's way worse stuff that happens in the catholic church than this and if i was her, i would rip them a new asshole about all the inner workings of catholicism and what has happened uh, with priests and you can, you know, the rest, I would rip them a new asshole. I would blow this up and shut them down. The, the, the other DOCs and all that other stuff that happens uh, in Catholicism, they, that's they, like throwing, like, what do they say about throwing the first, you know, you can't throw rocks at a glass house.
0: There goes I all mean, our Catholic listeners.
1: Uh- uh, I mean, I mean, but seriously, like, it's like, like, it's that, and then, so it blows up, and who does it end up hurting in the end? Hurts the kids. Yeah. Like, whatever. I'm sure they they didn't know their mom's doing this, and if their kids are in elementary school, they're still not going to understand.
0: Well, and, you know, you, you send your kids to, you know, Catholic schools so they can, you know, learn, you know, and learn about their religion, right? I mean, isn't that... Um, at that point, wouldn't you, if you're the Catholic school, if you think what the mom is doing is wrong, wouldn't you want the kids to see that? Wouldn't you want the opportunity to tell the kids that, a chance to teach them or something? You know, counter. I mean,
1: they, they don't even know. The only reason the the school found out is because a bunch of Karens flip, flipped flipped the lid.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean,
1: she wasn't. She didn't even go by her real name. She even came up with a, you know, an alter ego in a sense to hide this. She's making 150k, Jones. I guarantee you. Said, listen, Tom, if you can make 150k doing your thing on OnlyFans, listen, I'm starting an OnlyFans account. If you can tell me I'm making 150k a month, a month, a month. I'm showing whatever you want for 150k, and I'm doing it for a year, and then I'm piecing out.
0: So that's Tom's, uh, price. Uh, if you'd like to see Tom, uh, have you him. can
1: subscribe for 150 K a month, and I'll, I'll you whatever you want.
0: Yeah. You get your own private show to see, uh, all you want of Tom Bridges. Yeah. That's, I can be bought,
1: but it's very, you know, it's a
0: little pricey. You're, you're, you're not, gonna, you're not going to,
1: you're not going to find me at all stars.
0: He's not a 20 he's, bucks. He's not a cheap date. Um, he's going to cost you a bit, but you can have Tom, uh, for your, uh, viewing pleasure on your, uh, electronic device, uh, for a, a, steep cost of sorts. Um, but yeah, this story, this gal, I, I feel bad for her and for kid, her kids and such. Um, you know, also too, you know, the, the concept with, you know, Christianity and such is, you know, forgiveness and that there's no such thing as, you know, a perfect person and such, and that we're always trying to be better and, and, you know, I think this also just to just bring this back home, kind of hits, kind of misses the mark of of that of you know not accepting people for who they are. That we all have flaws, that none of us are perfect, and that we all can improve. If you think that's wrong of some sorts, what she's doing instead of taking this and turning it into a learning experience, um, you know, it's being judged. It's being put on the kids. So. Uh, is it a funny story? Of course it is, uh, the, the
1: but, Tom Fuller.
0: right? but I still feel bad for these kids and, and, you know, the, the public humiliation that they're going through, uh, through this, um, you know, what them getting involved and in getting kicked out of school and, you know, not being around their friends and stuff. That's much more embarrassing than anything their mom was doing online.
1: Right, and eventually, the, I mean, sure, when they get older, they're going to figure out what their mom was doing. But, hey, listen, if your mom's making, and well, not your mom in particular, but, I mean, if your parents are making 150 k and you're getting whatever you want, you know, <laughs> then, listen, I can't even hate. I mean, literally, the Karens that ratted this lady out were mad because she's making all this money. I, You would be hard-pressed to find someone that if you told them they could start an only fans and make 150k a month they would say they wouldn't do it until that cash flows right that cash flows in there's a lot of people who do a lot of stuff for 150k they say, i don't uh, care i don't care who you are you right? could be you could be the 80 year old next door lady and if they said you're gonna make 100 150k is a lot of money you can do a whole lot with 150k in a month
0: they say money doesn't buy happiness, but it can buy a lot of things.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, the, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, look crazy. Like, if you blow up like that and you can make that money, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's it's very clear that, I mean, granted, I'm not out here buying any OnlyFans, right? But there are people are. There are people who do that. And so I'm like, you know what? If you can make that money, I'm not going to hate that. You know, people are like, okay, Tom, you know, I've done some karaoke and it's COVID times, but the bars are opening back up. I'm making that decent money. Sure. Like we're doing it safe. I literally sanitize the mics. Like we're, people are going to come out to the bars anyway. I'm going to make that money. I've caught some flag. People are like, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. And it's COVID Da da da. And I'm like, yes, secure that bag right and you know we're wearing masks and we're you know i've even transitioned and not done karaoke but uh, like trivia you know socially distanced trivia i'm still making the back right you know i um, gotta do what you gotta do yeah like you're making money like hey i could be i could be selling drugs you know <laughs> <laughs> you know okay here's here's a here's a good one would the school be more mad if they found out their mom the mom was like a hardcore like kingpin drug dealer dealing weight or would they still be more mad about the OnlyFans yeah Jones for research purposes only she's got almost a million likes um, on this and $15 a month you can subscribe so what's Let me let's see. Let's see how many subscribers she has. I wonder how much publicity she's gained off of this,
2: right?
0: How
1: many people are buying it? $15 a month means she's got at least 10,000 subscribers.
0: That's pretty good. Um, I would encourage the folks out there if you want to learn more about OnlyFans and how it works, ABC News did this great profile. On it and what it's become and its background, uh, it's like on Hulu. It's an hour long, it really time, um, just to see where it started and where it's at now and where it's going and all the people behind it and and it's 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 journalism. You know, it's it shows the the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, of OnlyFans. Um, and, you know, the positives and the negatives. I, I would encourage folks to check that out. So uh, we got to go. We've had a fun show today. We've had a little bit for everybody uh, from very extensive football coverage with uh, David and Coach Bo to talking about Tiger Woods and, heck, even OnlyFans. We've been all over the place, and we appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us back next week. And we will see you then. Make sure to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. Social media Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter, Twitter at Togler Jones Live, at TJ Media Group, at Thomas underscore Bridges, and uh, Instagram, Togler Jones Live, Jones underscore Report, it's Thomas. You can find us there. And we'll be right back here next week. Same time, same place for Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, David Alexander, and Tyler Jones Sing so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.